Discretion is advised. Cause the place is here and the time is now. I have two words for you, predator drones. You will never see it coming. I think I'm joking. Drones are being used in drone strikes, and I support that entirely and feel the president was right. There's a reason why we shouldn't be using drones. It's because we don't just take out the target. We take out a lot of innocent civilians in these countries where these drones attack. But this is basically blowing up in our faces. We've seen the blowback all across the Middle East. What if our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests? Free I hate categories. Categories okay if you're going to the grocery store, but for me, the category screwed a lot of people up. We'll make everything metal. Blacker than the blackest black times infinity. Thought Radio, San Diego's source for heavy metal and other genres that are ignored by mainstream radio. San Diego's only libertarian talk show in a conservative-dominated market. More hard-hitting journalism than even the professionals themselves. Free Thought Radio. Free speech. Free expression. And free snow call. Only on KKSM Oceanside AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. Podcast airing on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. As it applies to you and me, our country isn't free. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Free Thought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org. I'm Alex Fiddle, host and uh, enemy of the state. A lot going on uh, with 4th of July and how it pertains to our freedoms and uh, in regards to um, you know how we're losing them, and re- with Edward Snowden and, and dictating to uh, where Latin American presidents go to on their flight paths and everything like that, um, down to you know how sheriffs are complying with the Department of Homeland Security and the DEA uh, to enforce federal law uh, as if their oath is to some politician, political party, or unjust law. Well, tonight's guest. I've got a guy who's running for sheriff against an appointed sheriff of San Bernardino County. And he's running on, on a platform of, of being a peace officer. So if you got any, if anybody listening out there is law enforcement or military, uh, check out uh, Oath Keepers or the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. And we're going to go over the notion that the oath is to the people, their rights, and the Constitution. Not to, uh, you know, a, a politician with a personality disorder that wants to tell other people what to do by force. You know, it's basically the notion that if 50 plus 1% of those in Nazi Germany just said no and used their conscience instead of just blindly following everything, then maybe some atrocities would not have been committed. That's all Oath Keepers is trying to say. They're not saying, you know, we need a new oath or anything like that. It's keep the oath that you took to uphold the Constitution, use your conscience, your noggin, your spine, and know what's right and wrong. And if there is an unjust law, especially one that conflicts with the Constitution, the duty is to disobey it. And so I've got my guest, first guest up here tonight that is going to be running on a platform in San Bernardino County in the June 2014 election to be a constitutional peace officer. Joining me now is Paul Schrader. He's a candidate for sheriff in San Bernardino County, California. His website is www.sheriffpaul2014.com. 
Republican-Party.com, and the election is in uh, 2014. Paul, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you uh, setting this up and making it happen. No problem. Um, so what is the current state of the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department, and why did that make you decide to run for sheriff in the 2014 elections? Uh, well, you know what's happened for years? We've had, uh, we've had uh, basically uh, politics that have been played so badly here that sheriffs would um, retire about uh, a year and a half to two years prior to the end of their term. And they would appoint one of their friends. Wow. And then the friend, whenever the election would come about, would... Uh, uh, be the uh, incumbent. So it would be pretty much promised that that person would be the next sheriff. So what you have is a current sheriff picking the next sheriff. Mm-hmm. And of course it has to be confirmed by the Board of Supervisors. And in 2010 I, I ran against the appointed sheriff, but again he was appointed and uh, the uh, uh, the Board had uh, had confirmed him. And uh, what happens is when they are appointed, uh, normally you're, they're going to uh, they're going to get the money, they're going to get the support, and it really makes it hard for anyone outside trying to be elected. Mm-hmm. Now, the guy that is in office now, he was appointed, and uh, we were able to try to fight this, and we went into three board meetings to fight this uh, appointment, but it was just pure politics. We were lied to by the board of supervisors, even the supervisor in my district that I was said that she would not allow this to happen, and she did. And it's not that the qualifications of the person that's appointed were any better than my qualifications. It was just that this is who the outgoing sheriff wanted, and uh, some of the reasons that they appointed him uh, were, were crazy because there were myself and another guy that were asking for the appointment. The board said they would appoint they would interview all three of us. They never interviewed anyone except they went to the sheriff's department and talked to the executives of the sheriff's department saying, asking them, who would you like? Well, of course, they're going to say the person that the setting sheriff uh, wants to have appointed. So none of them are going to come out and step out against uh, the uh, the guy that the sheriff is wanting to appoint. So what happens is you have a lot of problems. You have, it's, uh, everything is kept inside. You can't have, uh, uh, you know, any new ideas and, and things, and things are continue going the same. And that you have problems with the budget over there right now, and it's never going to get fixed as long as you have people that are being appointed by the Board of Supervisors. Uh, you have, uh, uh, I'm telling you, the manpower issues over there are really a big problem. And uh, you're going to have uh, issues with, uh, besides, the, besides the budget, um, there's a big problem with the discipline system over there. And I, I call what's going on over there, a lot of things going on over there, a culture of corruption. And it's, it's, it's what, what happens when you have someone passing the baton from one sheriff to the next. Uh, the way that discipline is done over there, even with the, the line staff, the, the deputies in the field, if for some reason they want to discipline someone, a lot of times they'll send them on, on what's called freeway therapy. You, know, you could be working in, in the city of Rancho Cucamonga, and they might send you up to, uh, you know, Barstow in that area or somewhere out in the desert 
because they're just wanting to discipline you, and they're not going through any process. They're just saying you're needed up there for a year, and the person knows they're being disciplined. So when you have this culture, uh, and it's just a good old boy system, and it just makes a, a bad situation all the way around where you really need to have someone coming in with a new set of eyes. We need to have a, a really good uh, audit of the budget and manpower usage there. And, uh, you know, I'm a constitutional sheriff's candidate, and there's a lot of things that, that are, are going on. Uh, what I look at when I look, look at First Amendment, even in the city I live in, Rancho Cucamonga, the uh, sheriff's captain that is assigned to Rancho Cucamonga and the board uh, worked out a deal here that if you have over 75 people that want to go on a street corner and protest something, they want you to go get a permit. Wow. Well, this is this is something new, you know, and that's a, a strict violation of the First Amendment. We should be able to go out on a street corner and protest. And what happened, if you, you know, a lot of people with, uh, in, in the city of Rancho, especially when it comes to tax day, uh, Tea Party people, they'll get out on these certain street corners, and they're big areas where they're not obstructing traffic or anything. But the city has decided, hey, we want uh, them to apply for their First Amendment rights, which I totally disagree with. And, and when elected off totally, we totally won't do that. And the, the Second Amendment in this county is totally being stomped on by the current sheriff. And he will tell people he is a Second Amendment sheriff, but it's kind of like riding the fence. He, has, uh, he was very involved in this gun buyback program that we just had in, in this county, and the county's never had a gun buyback program until he was appointed. Wow. So now we have a current sheriff, and, and, and his, you know, he has all types of excuses why they did it, but uh, you know, he's a sheriff. He could have said, you know what, I'm not having gun buybacks in any area of the county that I patrol. They used Prop 30 money, which was supposed to be used for the schools. It wasn't supposed to be used for gun buybacks. Somehow they were able to finagle that money, and I think they had like 400 grand to use. And uh, there's no statistical information that says gun buybacks stop crime. The new sheriff, the appointed sheriff, said that, well, the gun buybacks are going to help with these AB-109, these people that were released out of the, the state prisons that, the, you know, having the gun buybacks, we're going to take guns back from these guys. They're going to mm -hmm. come turn their guns in or, or things of that nature. Well, I went out here to Redlands to watch one of the gun buybacks and actually protest against the, the gun buyback with some of the people from uh, Redlands Tea Party. And what we saw coming in there were older senior citizens that were afraid to have guns in their house because they were afraid someone was going to come knocking on their door. So they're, they're turning in very expensive guns and getting a $50 food coupon wow. uh, from one of the local grocery stores. So, you know, the, the Second Amendment is, is something... Uh, that I talk about a lot. Uh, you know, we will not have gun buyback programs because, first of all, they don't work. They're just that's just another way to get people to start thinking about giving their guns up to the government. Mm -hmm. Government's not in the business of buying guns from anyone. That's not our business. You know, that's if, if someone wants to get rid of a gun, take it to a pawn shop, take it to a, a gun dealer, sell it to your neighbor. The government has no business buying guns. It does nothing except has money being used for reasons that it shouldn't be used for. And the carry concealed weapon permits in this county, that's another farce. I know that 
San Bernardino County probably issues more than most counties in the state, but the problem being uh, we have a lot of reserves, we have a lot of people that are within the government system that have these carry concealed weapon permits. We have 3,000 issued for this county of 2 million people. And 3,000 is quite a bit for, for um, you know, most counties in, in the state of California. But it's still not that many, and there, there's still a lot of politics. There's still a lot of people that are refused the CCW and are not even giving them a reason. And that's something I want to change. I want to make sure that if you are a person that's not mentally ill and you are a person that has no felony convictions, that you can get your CCW, and it should have to take a year to two years of constant you know, do you still want this? I mean, I've talked to people that go through the process, and you know, it's it's costing three or four hundred dollars to try to get one, and then there's turned down. So, uh, we really need to look at that. This county is a big county, and you want to protect people against what they say these AB 109 inmates that were released from prison. Make sure more good people are armed with with firearms, and they're able to get out here to the ranges and and, and practice, and that uh, you know they feel that they are. Uh, you know, safe and, and legal to be carrying, and I think that will that will slow down a lot of crime because uh, I've been in law enforcement 30 years, and anytime I've talked to criminals, I'll ask them, "Hey, would you break in that house if you thought those people were 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 you know uh, had weapons?" And they most of them say no, or would you rob that person if you thought they had a gun on them? No. So mm-hmm. that is a big deterrent in itself. Definitely. So. You know, those are some of the just, uh, you know, right off the bat, the problems that you can see within the county, and, and they're not going to be addressed as long as they continue appointing someone and that person continues getting elected. Things will not change. Definitely. For, for those just joining, I'm speaking with Paul Schrader. He's a candidate for sheriff in 2014 in San Bernardino County, California, and you touched up on a, on a lot of things in how, the, you know, the sheriff's office uh tramples upon free speech in the First Amendment, as well as the Second Amendment. And I want to talk about how that plays into the Department of Homeland Security. What, what would you do? Because they, uh, of course, you know, uh, they say they're for fighting terrorism, but the people that end up on their, uh, you know, suggestions of who might be a terrorist are Ron Paul supporters or, or peaceful political activists. It seems very arbitrary and like they're trying to crack down. What, what would you do in regards to the growing police state and the influence of the Department of Homeland Security in giving grants to cities and sheriffs in exchange for policy mandates we honestly do not know about? Well, that's uh, that's a very, very good question. I'm part of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, and last year I actually went to some training uh, with a constitutional attorney, Chris Ann Hall, and she taught about NDAA, and that's part of the overall Homeland Security at, you know, who who is a terrorist, who is not, things of that nature. And, you know, Homeland Security has no business in our county. I truly believe that. I truly believe the sheriffs need to stand up and say, we're not taking your money. Uh, I, I want to say that, uh, you know, if, if Homeland Security wants to come in this county and do something, they need to go through the sheriff. The sheriff right now would let them come in and drag people away in the middle of the night, you know, put the black you know, uh, bags over their head and take them away. NDAA, and if people have never heard of NDAA, they need to Google that and look it up. It's an actual law that says that if you want to protest or you want to do certain things, that the government can, can feel that you're a terrorist by making certain, uh, you know, uh, 
speeches or to say things that could uh, uh, could make them think you're a terrorist. You know, and this is U.S. citizens, and this is this is where they can come in and and take you out of your home without any type of due process and put you take you somewhere for an undetermined period. Uh, and you know, it's uh, it's really scary to see this because when I first heard about it, I thought, now oh, these are some wacko people that are talking about this and. This is not true. Our, our government couldn't have a law like this. Well, they do. Mm-hmm. So what you need is you need to have sheriffs that are going to stand up in this county and say, no, we're not taking your money. No, we're not taking your mandates. No to NDAA. No to Agenda 21. No to federal intervention in this county. We will take care of the problems in this county. Now, if there is an actual terrorist in this county, then they can work with the sheriff's department in arresting this person and dealing with this. But if it's someone that is making some kind of First Amendment statement. So they're protesting within an area. Now, this is part of that, that bill or that, that law that I cannot stand. To protest in a certain area of someone that has Secret Service protection, and that's not just the president. There's other people that have Secret Service protection that could be a, you know, even a U.S. representative if they've been approved Secret Service protection. If you protest within that area of their protection, you could be, uh, arrested under NDAA without your habeas corpus protection to go to court and fight this. So wow. I would say that as your sheriff, I would contact the director of Homeland Security and, and just let them know, put them on notice. If you're in my county and you kidnap someone out of their house, you know, using that federal law, I'll, I will be seeking a warrant for you. And if we catch you in the middle of it, there's going to be a problem too. So People need to realize that their sheriff has the authority. He's the chief law enforcement officer in the county, and he has the authority to talk to these people and let them know that they're not going to just come to the county and stomp on people. And, you know, if, if, the, you know, if most of the agencies work together very well and they're trying to work together, but uh, people say, well, it's not the sheriff's job to interpret law. Well, we do not enforce federal laws, uh, you know, local sheriffs don't. We, in, we enforce state laws. So uh, someone coming in and, and knocking someone's door down in the middle of the night and dragging them out without a search warrant, without a warrant, you know, that's against the law in the state of California, mm-hmm. and we will pursue them. So uh, I, don't want, I don't want any of that, uh, uh, that money. I know that uh, the city of Rancho Cucamonga took some of that Homeland Security money, and now over in a private mall, we have cameras over there. Wow. And it's supposed to be to, um, you know, help cut down on crime, and you know, which we really don't have any crime over there, but it was just, you know, we're, we're wondering, why are you taking Homeland Security money? To, and who's monitoring the cameras? I mean, that, that would be like them saying, Paul, we're going to pay for a camera and put it in your backyard and, you know, to help cut down on crime. But, you know, sure. we... if. If the mall over there wants cameras, they should pay for their own cameras. Mm-hmm. They should monitor their own cameras. If they see something, then they alert law enforcement. Law enforcement should not have cameras in that mall. We should not pay for cameras to go in that mall with Homeland Security money. And law enforcement should not be monitoring those cameras. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully I've answered your question because when you start talking about Homeland Security, there, yeah. to me, <laughs> them, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the guys that... Uh, um, not NSA, but the uh, people that uh, pat you down at the airport. TSA. Yeah. TSA. Uh, that's another group that uh, uh, if 
for some reason you're going to the airport and you feel that you've been inappropriately touched, uh, you know, for one of the things I will tell the, the people at this airport here, and I will go to their director and I will let them know, if someone comes to one of my deputies to report that they've been inappropriately touched by one of your people, we will get a warrant, or if it's a felony, we'll go down and arrest them. We'll arrest them right there at their job site. So uh, TSA has overstepped their boundaries for years. I'm sick of it. You know, I'm sick of seeing children being searched. You know, uh, the way I look at it, we do not give up our rights for this false sense of security. It's a bunch of garbage, and, you know, our rights are being taken away because people are just laying down saying, take our rights, and we need to start fighting for them, and it's going to take... The work of the people, it's going to take the work of your local sheriff and law enforcement and city councils and state reps. But it all starts at your local level. People are always concerned about trying to get a different, you know, person elected in office. You start, you know, at the, at the federal level. You need to start at your local level. And once you get your local level taken care of, a lot of stuff will take care of itself. But everyone always wants to look at the federal level. But if you had sheriffs standing up saying, we're not going to allow this, and, yes, we are going to start arresting some of these people if they are violating the law, and they are. You know, someone, someone's searching someone and they're filling them up or they're doing certain things that we've seen on, on some of the videos about TSA, those people should be arrested. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've, they've utilized, uh, you know, people that aren't trained to do a certain job, and, you know, they've um, allowed them to uh, do things to people that should never be done. So, uh, you know, Homeland Security... No, I don't want their money. If they want to give me money to uh, do uh, certain programs that we're already doing and there's no strings attached, but that's never the case. They want you to take their money and then do what they say, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's something we don't need. Exactly, and you know that's got to be the most refreshing thing I ever heard. I wish we had somebody like you here in San Diego County, um, but uh, unfortunately next door to you in Los Angeles County, uh, they had in downtown – uh, uh, recently some terror drills, I put, you know, sarcastic quotes. It seems a little scary. W- what are your thoughts on those terror drills? Uh, you know what? I Someone had asked me about those, and I haven't even seen uh, the, the videos or anything going on about that. And, uh, you know, I, I really can't make a... Uh, uh, statement on it because uh, someone was asked me and I haven't even I haven't seen them and I guess there's a video at about them too. They're basically and simulating so, the Boston bombing. They had a fake bomb go off and fake terrorists come out and they shoot shoot at them with blanks and helicopters and it's just what 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 do you think they're prepping for? Right. Well, one thing I, I will always say I think law enforcement needs to be training because if they're not training and they don't know what to do in certain situations, but I do not want to see law enforcement become a military state either. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if they're training, and again, I haven't seen it, so my statement might go way off the course. If they're training to deal with someone that possibly has a bomb and uh, you know they're, they're working on a way to deal with that, that's different. But if it's just some kind of, kind of militaristic, you know, training uh, of some kind of force on, you know, uh, some kind of demonstration, then that's something we would need to look at. Mm-hmm. I, I hope I've answered your question. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, again, I, I've, I've heard so much about uh, what, what kind of training it was, but I haven't seen 
the video or, or read anything about it. Sure, sure. And to me, it seems like the latter. The, it seemed more like martial law prep than it was to dismantle a bomb or anything. Um, they didn't really even have bomb squad training. Um, I, I also want to ask you a question about drones. What would you do if you if you got elected and found out that the sheriff department already had a drone? What would you do with it, and, and what would you do to keep oversight at it, or would you scrap it all together? Well, we would we would scrap scrap drones all together. There was uh, up in the Apple Valley area, which is up in the uh, you know kind of going up in the uh, northern part of the San Bernardino County. Um, there. Uh, was an area out there, and I, I believe they were actually making drones. They were talking to different uh, local governments about using drones to help with, you know, fire suppression and things like that. And and I know that some of the local governments were talking about it, and, and I just, uh, you know, I totally disagree with the use of drones. Um, if we had a missing person, maybe a kid or someone out in the, the, the mountains or something, I say if if someone owns one that we could utilize for that situation, you know, a fire situation, that's fine. But any kind of law enforcement, any kind of code enforcement, anything to do with any kind of enforcement, uh, there would be no, you know, there's no way that we would use those and there's no way that we would own one. So, uh, you know, I, I've talked to several groups about drones, especially up in that part of the county, and they were very concerned that, uh, their city governments were trying to buy drones for the sheriff's department to use. And, wow. you know, I, you know, some people will tell you, well, there's a certain level that you can go up in the sky and then search, you know, search and seizure, the Fourth Amendment, it, it really doesn't matter. But the way I look at it, your backyard, it's, there's a curtilage around it, and I can't just walk over and look in your backyard uh, and, and then run and get a search warrant for something I see in your backyard or just go in your backyard and take it. There's a, there's case law that prevents me from doing that. And, I, I truly believe the Fourth Amendment prevents me from doing that. So, what would, why, why can I fly over your house, you know, with a uh, with a drone and look? Uh, you know, I, we don't need those things. We really don't. We need to uh, basically be, uh, you know, we need to uphold the Constitution, defend the rights of the people, and we do that. All this other stuff is going to work itself out, and uh, we shouldn't be using any type of flyover to start checking people's backyards. That's not that's not our business. Definitely. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about uh, other kinds of civil liberty violating uh, policies, specifically the Fifth Amendment in regards to civil asset forfeiture and eminent domain? How does the sheriff influence those, and how can you, as sheriff, curb those uh, tactics? Well, the way that normally they do it is they start looking at a lot of times it's drug arrest. Mm -hmm. That's that's the way you, you get into someone's house and you get in their bank account and things like that. I, I truly think anything that we do uh, needs to go through uh, habeas corpus. It needs to go through court. You need to have your day in court. Uh, what happens a lot of times is it's held, um, it's held uh, after there's been some kind of big arrest where your, your uh, property is seized. And I think what the, the right thing to do before you can seize property is we need to go to court to seize the property. So without just coming in, if we're going to try to seize property, we better, you know, I want to, I want to back up the way that, that, uh, a lot of businesses done now where they just go in and seize it. I want to make sure that we go, we go through court and give them the opportunity to defend, uh, their property. Because what happens when you see someone's property, their bank accounts and things of that nature, because, they're doing something illegal. 
and you want them to prove where the money came from, I think it's up for us. And it's not, you know, it's not that, you know, and again, it's, it's, that is a civil process, which is different than criminal, but we need to prove that they got the money from some kind of illegal activity or they got the house from illegal activity. We need to be the ones going to court and taking them to task instead of taking their stuff, holding it and making them prove how they Mm-hmm. Uh, acquired the the property exactly guilty gu- yeah guilty before innocence is definitely the uh yes. the mark of the orwellian state what what about eminent domain well you know eminent domain is a, is another thing i i, I totally uh, you know and a lot of people just they, they they don't understand this but i believe that your house is your house your property is your property i disagree with that and if the government is going to uh you know do anything with anyone's property they need to go to court it needs to be handled through the court process. I, uh, you know, some people say, well, the judges are this and the judges are that. Well, I have to believe in the court system, and I have to believe that everything needs to go through the court. I don't think it should needs to be an administrative process where we say we need this, we need to do this, we need to go through here. Um, if you look at what the city of Pasadena did whenever they were trying to put the 710 freeway up through there, they stopped that. They stopped it. They tried to claim em- eminent domain, but those people for years, has said, we do not want the 710 to cut through Pasadena to go up to the 210. And they have stopped it. So uh, the way I look at that is everything needs to go through a court process. It doesn't need to be, we're grabbing your property uh, through some administrative process. I I totally uh, disagree with that. And that's something that the sheriff can start working on with uh, the local... uh, uh, the local city governments and, and let them know this is the way that we need to do business. And when you start getting your sheriff to start speaking out about this stuff, a lot of people are going to be looking at it different. And there's a lot of constitutional attorneys that can help you and help you present this in a certain way. And, uh, you know, you can also make administrative policy changes within the sheriff's department and say, this is what we're going to do. And this is the way we're going to do it so that we're not seizing people's property that, that, you know, it, it, it could be that, uh, you know, that, that there's a mistake, but you're going to make them fight to keep their property. I, I totally disagree with that, but we need to get, get it into court as soon as possible. I do not like the government taking people's property on, on their eminent domain at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those just joining, I'm speaking with Paul Schrader. He's a candidate for sheriff in 2014 in San Bernardino County, California. Um, uh, what are your thoughts about uh, about uh, San Bernardino law enforcement under your, uh, if you were to be elected sheriff, w- uh, assistance in the enforcement of federal drug laws, specifically in regards to law-abiding medical cannabis patients and caregivers? Would you mandate, uh, like in, in regards to Second Amendment and Homeland Security, mandating noncompliance um, by your officers, as well as instruct them to arrest uh, any DEA agent who persecutes law-abiding citizens or groups of citizens who get together and form these brick-and-mortar patient cooperatives? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is, I've, I've, I've talked to the different cooperatives in this county, and I've talked to uh, various groups, uh, people that are patients of these cooperatives. And, you know, I tell people it really doesn't matter what I think about marijuana and it shouldn't matter what they think about marijuana. It's what the law says, and the law says that 
uh, medical marijuana is legal in the state of California. And uh, then a lot of people say, well, these doctors are handing out these lips to everybody to give them the medical marijuana cards. And I tell them, I'm not a doctor. I, I, I can't question that. So if they are, that's between their doctor and the patient. But I'm sure if today you wanted to go and get something at your regular doctor that is a prescription drug, you could probably ask him, and he would probably give you a prescription for it. So um, after meeting with a lot of these patients, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people out here that uh, they've told me that the medical marijuana has really helped them. And the cooperative people, I've met with them. And this is what I told them. Uh, I will protect your rights because I believe the, sheriff's, the sheriff is to defend the rights of the people and uphold the Constitution. And it doesn't matter if you have a clothing store, if you have a, uh, you know, if, if uh, you're selling raw milk, if you're selling, if it's a medical marijuana establishment, as long as you're working within the confines of, of that law, which was a badly written law, but as long as you're doing what it says, you're going to have my protection. I'm going to talk to the DEA and, and ask them, you know, basically we're going, to, we're going to work on things and say, I, you know, I don't want you coming in my county. I don't want you coming in here. And, and, and normally the DEA, when they want to come in and bust up a medical marijuana clinic anyway, they're going to ask the sheriff to help them out. So anywhere that the sheriff has authority in his county, you know, I'm going to protect the rights, defend the rights of those people, uh, because that is part of the sheriff's job. And uh, they, and, and I told them, now, if you guys are violating the law, I'll be the first to shut you down and arrest you. So it's pretty simple. As long as you're doing what you're supposed to do, there's no problems. It would be just like if you had some kind of clothing store and they were doing something illegal and we came onto it, we would close them down and arrest them. So the people that, are, that have these medical marijuana co-ops know that I will defend their rights. And if the DEA is coming in there and they're on their property and they're asking them to leave and they won't leave, they can be arrested for trespassing. Awesome. That's, that's, I mean, it's pretty simple. And, uh, you know, someone said, well, you want to get into some kind of big, uh, you know, problem with, you know, the feds and you? No, the feds need to talk to me before they come in the county. They need to, they need to come talk to me, and we, we're going to have discussions about this, so it's not going to be like some big secret where people are like, wow, what, 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 why, is it, why is this happening? It's going to be, you know what, this is, this is pretty much the way it is. We have a state law that says they can have medical marijuana clinics, and I will uphold that right. So, uh, yeah, people could, uh, you know, there could be some feds being arrested. I don't think so. I think that once we talk to them and let them know, uh, you know, the way that we're going to work with this, I, I think they're going to probably stay out of this county. Because there, there's nothing that says that a, a, a DEA agent can't be arrested. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. yeah, we, we, we would protect their rights. What, what other freedom issues do you care about uh, in general in regards to all the amendments of the Constitution, including the 10th, given that a, a lot of these are upholding state laws? And, and please explain how that ties into what it means to be an oath keeper and a constitutional sheriff. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned the Oath Keepers because I am an Oath Keeper and I believe that we are, uh, you know, to keep our oath. And that oath is the Constitution. People think, well, it's to the president or it's to some political person or something. Uh, no, it is to the Constitution. And um, the 
there, there's several things that come in mind to uh, being a constitutional sheriff and keeping my oath. Uh, another thing I, I always like to talk about is uh, DUI roadblocks and red light cameras, both violations of the Fourth Amendment. Yep. Both are things the current sheriff enforces here. In fact, I call them symbolism over substance. All of this stuff, gun buybacks, uh, you know, going out here and raiding medical marijuana clinics, uh, um, you know, um, the uh, having these big roadblocks where you got pictures of deputies stopping people and and the the uh, red light cameras. All of these are are, are violations of the Constitution, uh, you know, Bill of Rights, and all they are are. Uh, Symbolism over substance. They absolutely uh, are just a big show. The DUI roadblocks, the Transportation Safety Authority, who keeps statistical information on DUI roadblocks, basically say that at these roadblocks, they're very, very costly. They cost a lot of money to run them because you have to have technicians out there. You have to have lots of cops. You have to have this. You have to have that. And a lot of times it's on overtime. And you you will stop a thousand people, and you will get three drunk drivers. Possibly that's a, that's a really good day. And as a police officer, if you want to stop someone, you have to have probable cause. That means you have to see them violate a law. And you know the Fourth Amendment basically covers us under unreasonable search and seizure. So if I'm going to stop you, I need to have a reason to stop you. Then if I want to search your car, I either need permission from you or I need uh, some kind of probable cause to start getting into your car. Well, what happens at a DUI roadblock is you're just getting pulled into a, a roadblock. Someone's out in the street saying, come on in here. And I don't see any probable cause in that. And then if they find a reason to, to tow your car, to arrest you, they will do that. And, again, there's no... There's no Fourth Amendment coverage there. It's just they're doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hear stories from people. I've heard stories from grandmothers where they were going to the store to get milk. They're pulled in. All of a sudden, the guy's asking for her registration. She can't find it. She starts crying. She's upset. She finds it, but she finally goes back home, and she's just, you know, all out of sorts because she was stopped and she wasn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. And then you hear the stories about people getting their cars towed and, Again, there's no reason they were stopped except they just happened to drive through one of these checkpoints. Any area that the sheriff patrols once I'm elected will no longer do checkpoints. Reason being, they're ineffective. And people say, wow, don't you want those three drunk drivers off the road? And I tell them, yeah, I want drunk drivers off the road. And they said, uh, you know, well, what about MAD? I said, if I was part of Mothers Against Drunk Driving, if I was part of MAD, I would be mad knowing that they have these checkpoints that's only getting three drunk drivers off the road. What I would do is I would put saturation patrols in those areas. I would have deputies that love to arrest drunk drivers, and I would put those in, put those guys in areas certain times of the month and say, you know what, we don't, we didn't even publicize in the paper, and uh, say, you know, we're going to have saturation patrols in this area, and I can tell you, those guys, each of those guys would get one or two drunks off the road. If I put ten of them out there, that's twenty, that's twenty drunk drivers where. At one of these DOI checkpoints, you get all these people driving through, getting their rights violated, and you're only getting three. I can put these guys out there violating no rights and getting hopefully 10 to 20 drivers off the road. So which is more effective? Which one is not violating your rights? It's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. I tell people, to be sheriff, you don't need to be a rocket scientist. You need to be someone that can make common sense decisions 
and understand uh, basic rights of people. And, and and it's it's real simple, but it seems like people want to do all of this, you know, uh, this symbolism over substance. You know, look at all of this work we're doing. Yeah, I'm looking at all the work you're doing. You're violating people's rights. Same thing with those red light cameras. You can't cross-examine a red light camera. It has no probable cause. It just takes a picture. So when you go to court, what do you do? Ask the camera, hey, well, what was I doing for the reason that you, you know, took my picture before? You know, there's nothing. So any area that has a red light camera uh, in the sheriff's area, uh, my deputies will not write a ticket on it. So I just uh, uh, really want to uh, make that clear, and that's something that uh, that's another area that, uh, you know, we will... Uh, we will work on it within the sheriff's department and and, and make sure that uh, uh, people understand we're not going to be enforcing certain things like that. And there's certain ways we will uh, do other things like the DUI checkpoints. Do away with those. You know, those when they have those here, they really try to you know make it look like hey, look at what we're doing. Well, uh, I, I'm looking at what they're doing. I disagree, and I know there's a lot of deputies that disagree. So just to let you know, that's. Uh, that's uh, that's something that uh, uh, we we will do away with. Definitely, and, and it does all start with the Constitution. Do, do you have any final words, and where can people find you online to help out with the campaign? Uh, all they need to do is go to uh, SheriffPaul2014.com, and we have uh, all the information is on there. I have a lot more information than what we talked about. Um, we also have a radio show we do every Monday night, and there's a link on there, and it's uh, from 6 to 7, and it's called Ask Your Sheriff. They can actually come on there and ask me questions, and, you know, if they, they disagree, you know, they can disagree, and we don't edit it, and we let you come on there and talk about whatever, and it's, uh, it's kind of like uh, sitting in a living room talking about subjects, kind of like what we're doing right now. You know, it's, it's where you can sit and ask me, hey, what, Paul, what do you think about this? I can tell you, and you can talk about it and uh so if people want to come over to my uh to my website at sheriffpaul2014.com it'll lead you to our uh, our blog to our our facebook and uh, i just want people that are you know interested in, in uh, you know liberty to come join us come support us if you live in san Bernardino county we have people in orange county that support us and we have people in riverside county that support us because they think Getting a constitutional sheriff elected in San Bernardino County is going to help them and their counties get, uh, you know, constitutional sheriffs elected there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we need, we always need help and we always need people's money and all of that can be done through our website if you just want to, uh, you know, uh, help us out, uh, you know, in any part of the campaign, you can sign up there. Definitely. And, and again, for those listening, the website is sheriffpaul2014.com. Also check out the Oath Keepers and the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. I've been speaking with Paul Schrader. He's candidate for sheriff 2014, in, and is it the November general election? Uh, no, our election is not until 2014 in June. Oh, so it's the primary election in June. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, the election is in June 2014. Uh, Paul, thank you again very much for joining the program. Thank you so much, sir. And I would love to have a constitutional sheriff to vote for in San Diego for 2014, maybe a constitutional district attorney to run against uh, Bonnie Demonis, but those are some tall orders. But 
he really touched up on a lot of great points in regards to DUI checkpoints. Because uh, as a libertarian, I don't think that what you can do or, or what you can't do with a gun, if you can't do something with a gun, you can't put on a badge and that makes what you do with a gun okay. That badges don't grant extra rights. And certainly when there's a gun involved, when there's someone with an authority, uh, there, there's a lot of danger involved with that. And that certainly has a lot to do with DUI checkpoints. And this is one that I found from Ben Swan, who's actually going to be on my show next week. The uh, Emmy Award winning investigative journalist used to be on Fox uh, 19 in Cincinnati, an independent affiliate, not associated with Fox News in any sort of way. So he got to uh, say certain things on the air, like point out the truth that Al-Qaeda was funded by the CIA. Uh, but he's also, you know, he's very much uh, into exposing violations of liberty. And he posted this video on, on benswan.com. That's swan with two N's at the end. Uh, he, it's called, He Has No Drugs and Knows His Constitutional Rights. So uh, sometimes when you exercise your constitutional rights, uh, you may get some backlash from somebody that's a bit of an authoritarian. And when they have a gun and they get angry, that's a little dangerous. You can't just abuse things like that for some power trip. You, th that could be end up in a lethal mistake with someone dead that cannot get their lives back. And that goes to, you know, the thing in Hawthorne with the dog getting shot. That guy actually shot a guy with and killed a guy with Down syndrome when that guy was a rookie. Those are people that cannot come back. But police officers, you know, they get that kind of leeway, unfortunately. But here's here's the audio from the July uh, 4th checkpoint. So instead of going out for actual drunk drivers, they were abusing innocent people like this. No drugs, but he knew his constitutional rights. He had the camera in the in the cup holder the entire time, the phone camera. And you can see at the end, I'm, I'm probably not going to play the whole thing because it's a bit long. But you can see at the end, you know, they were like, they shine the flashlight like, oh my God. It's recording, and they take it. Um, and I think he was using the ACLU app so they can't delete it or or anything like that. So uh, I, I, I think it, filming the police is very important. If you ever see a, a DUI roadblock, just get your camera phone going, um, preferably to a, a cloud, like use, using Ustream or an app that's called QIK. It's either Quick or Kick, QIK Video or the ACLU of New Jersey Police app uh but here's the audio from the fourth of july checkpoint um his name is chris calba and it was in rutherford county tennessee take a listen to what happens when you challenge somebody's authority with the constitution what happened to the last officer please yes sir How you doing tonight? Pretty good. What road are you running down for me? Uh, this is fine, sir. Do what? This is fine. That's fine? Yes, sir. Why is that fine? Because I can hear you. How old are you? Uh, is that a required question to answer? Uh, yes, sir, it is. Out of 21. Stay right there for me. Yes, sir. Couple lies right there. He does not have to roll down his window or give his age. But you can see the text, the full video has all the descriptions. BenSwan.com. Am I being detained? Pull over to the side right there. Am I being detained or Pull am I free to go? Pull over to the side right there. Okay, step on out. Am step I, out. So I'm being detained? Either pull over to the other side or you can step out right here. Which do you want?
benswan.com, swan with two N's. You'll see this video. Pull right over the other side and stop the vehicle. Yes, sir. And he keeps his door locked and window, you know, slightly cracked. All legal because he's not being detained, and it can't be. It can't be. Put it in park. Shut it down. It's either you're detained or free to go. Can't be both. Unlock your door, sir. Am I being detained? Unlock your door. Would you like me to take off my seatbelt? Yeah. Come on out with your hands first. Talk to this gentleman here. Committed no crime and is already being forced to leave the car. There's a lot of text uh, subtitling what's going on, so uh, you could go to benswan.com and check it out. B E N S W A N N. All right, so it kind of goes on now. They're cutting to the police getting the dog to sniff out the vehicle, and he's going to talk about certain, like, things that they used to trick the dog into thinking that they were at, like, call, uh, calls to the dog. Um, so I'll try to read them out as they go along because a lot of it's kind of hard to hear audio due to the camera phone. But, yeah, multiple rights violated, and he hasn't committed a single crime. And wait until they don't find any drugs. <laughs> And the dog scratches the car too, you know, damage to somebody's property. They're not going to pay for that. Sue, here. There you hear the dog crawling on the roof. Check here. Yeah, that was one cue. It was check here. Kind of causes the dog to scratch. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a false, false alert, as it says here on the video. Kind of causes the dog to be, begin scratching, which indicate to them indicates drugs. So then they proceed to search the car. Again, multiple rights upon rights being violated. And it says that, that is how police can give themselves permission to search your car without your consent, without probable cause, without any crime is being committed. They told him that they <laughs> smelled illegal substances, but he had no illegal substances. So that, that's where I'm going to stop the video. They eventually find the camera and it's pretty, but it's just, it's just scary because they have guns and it, you know, some some cops, if you if you challenge their authority, and uh, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of good cops out there that are not going to do things like that, but some are, and they could put you out in cold blood if you challenge if you mess up their power trip enough, and that's a very dangerous thing to have happen. So uh, I want to play a song before uh, come back with some news. Going to talk about the Fourth of July uh, protests. Awesome 
civil rights march in support of no spying here in San Diego, flooded the streets and delivered a cease and desist order to Senator Feinstein's office. That's going to be after this song on the commercial break. KKSM, the Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. You're part of the radio revolution. Can't you hear the wind calling? Little Miss, Little Miss, can't be wrong. We're free. We are the future. KKSM. We're from the government and we're going to solve all your problems. Do you know what your problem is? Sometimes people make the wrong choices, but we're going to help them make the right choices. With guns. Hey, you're not running your business right. You're not paying people enough money. You're not hiring the right people. You keep firing the wrong people. Well, do it different. Do it different now! They got two boys kissing on the TV. We can't have that. We can't have boys kissing boys and girls kissing girls. Stop it! Stop it now! You're not doing religion right. You're worshiping all wrong and believing all wrong and wearing the wrong symbols. Well, fix it! Fix it now, damn it! Are you interested in peaceful solutions to LGBT issues? Listen to Flaming Freedom on the Liberty Radio Network every Tuesday and Saturday night from 10 p.m. to midnight. Or download any show for free from flamingfreedom.com. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN. K-A-S-M. Am I driving okay? I think we're fine, yeah. On your radio at AM 1320. On your TV at Cox Cable 957. And online at PalomarCollegeRadio.com. KKSM, the radio revolution. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio. That last song you heard was I Shot the Sheriff by Bob Marley. And my my uh, guest in the last hour was Paul Schrader. He's a candidate for sheriff in the June t- 2014 primary elections for San Bernardino County. He's a constitutional oath-keeping peace officer. And I hope he wins. 
Um, later in the in this episode, I've got uh, people from the movie Prisoners of the Marijuana War, uh, which deal with a group of uh, medical marijuana caregivers from different of the uh, states where mar- medical marijuana is legal. And next week, I've got V. Ben Swan, uh, Emmy Award winning and Edward R. Murrow Award winning. He's just like the journalist. He kind of looks like Superman. Uh, you know, he's got, he puts the man in mandible. I think he's a very, you know, TV type personality. He's awesome. He breaks so many awesome stories. He takes old school journalism, brings it back because we got too many lapdogs uh, on the TV. And uh, I am forced to watch state run media like RT or Al Jazeera or press TV that are actually more credible and actually tell the truth legitimately than these so-called free organizations that like ABC or Fox News or CNN. Uh, that's how sad journalism has become, that, that you could get better truth from uh, RT. And not to take away from RT, not that that's bad on them or anything. They're a really good organi- news organization, but that's just the state of American media. But, you know, uh, that, that just has to go with, you know, the kind of irony that I felt on the 4th of July but I figured I wasn't just going to sit at home, eat some hot dogs, and I don't because I'm a little bit of a vegetarian. But I actually did the most patriotic thing one can do on 4th of July, and that's dissent. And uh, there was a great uh, uh, 4th of July action going on locally in San Diego to restore the 4th Amendment. happened at Balboa Park. It was kind of a united effort of, of very uh, independent thinkers ranging from Occupy Wall Street or Occupy San Diego, a women Occupy doing the acapella chorus or acapella chorus, uh, Veterans for Peace, Green Party, uh, people with Ron Paul shirts, Libertarians, Independents, you name it, Anonymous. No Republicans and Democrats because they own this stuff. <laughs> and it was all in support uh, to stop the spying, repeal the Patriot Act, uh, protect Edward Snowden, and then march in the streets for freedom and deliver a cease and desist order to to Senator Dianne Feinstein, who loves the NSA so much. You know, that's just more proof that Republicans and Democrats are all the same, you know, if you got them agreeing with each other. If you got Dick Cheney and Obama and Biden and Bush and MSNBC and Fox News all in concert saying that Edward Snowden is a traitor, you got an idea is that these guys are pulling for the same people or at least the same ideologies and causes the division is really just smokescreen theater intentionally meant to divide you and i to hate each other rather than unite against the people that are actually screwing us um so we started about about park we kind of marched you know screaming things like nsa go away um you know what do we want our privacy when do we want it now uh things like that and then we eventually, you know, kind of got towards, you know, at the actual city started marching in the streets. Because uh, you know what I say to that? Uh, on July 4th, when we're all being spied upon, what's more important? The traffic or your dwindling freedoms? I would go with the latter. And we did so. We blocked up a lot of traffic. But, you know, we got the message across uh, that we're not going to sit down and lie down while this is all happening. That now is the time to stand up rather than when it's too late. You know, that poem, first they came for the Jews, but I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the communists, but I wasn't a communist. Then they came for me and there was nobody left. You know, that's that's exactly what we're facing here. We're kind of on that precipice where it could be too late, but it's, and then again, it's not. You know, I still have the freedom to say all these things against the two-party, you know, Federal Reserve banker establishment, 
but you know that's probably got me on a watch list uh, somewhere. So there's like a little bit of a we're on we're on like a, a swing saws or I forget what they're called t- teeter totters or whatever. You know the thing that you do as a kid, but. We're kind of like when they're in the balance and you could go to tyranny or liberty, but we kind of got that. We kind of got both equally fight. We got the liberty fighting against the tyranny and the tyranny fighting against the liberty. Um, but it was a great it was a great march. We ended up at Senator Diane Feinstein's office. She wasn't there. The security guard wouldn't take our petition letter, which all the people there signed. Uh, so we taped it up to there and then we just somebody had some chalk. So uh, we all wrote a bunch of chalk messages on her sidewalk, I, I was doing the live stream the entire time. If you go to youtube.com slash freethoughtradiovids, you can see the entire hour-plus-long march in its entirety. From my viewpoint, uh, freethoughtradiovids Freethought is the YouTube handle, or Freethought TV. You could search it up. Um, you could see my first-person view of grabbing chalk and then writing repeal the Patriot Act and then say no to a two-party system. Uh, on the sidewalk of Senator Dianne Feinstein's office. That's how you celebrate the 4th of July. So, (laughs) uh, very, very happy that I I did something patriotic as opposed to uh, blind loyalty to the state, which is anti-American, anti-constitution, anti-human, anti-freedom, anti-life, anti-peace. You know, kind of everything that we enjoy in life, they're kind of against. So, um, privacy. They're against privacy utmost. Uh, uh, they have all the privacy. We can't look at what they're doing, but they could always look at what we're doing. Um, so, my guest in the next hour will be the makers of the movie Prisoners of the Marijuana War. Be right back after these commercials. You're listening to KKSM, Oceanside, AM 1320, and LRN.FM, Keene, New Hampshire, the Liberty Radio Network. KKSM Oceanside. What is it you're doing? I'm using the chicken to measure. Have you ever used the chicken to measure? AM 1320. I got so hot until I started to to use a chicken head to measure it. The Radio Revolution. Free Talk Live. Well, I'm a working police officer. I'm actually on duty in a small town in Central Texas. I've been doing this job 10 years. 99% of what you guys talk about is dead on. We got guys getting into this profession just to wear a badge and play God. Mm. It's getting worse and worse. There used to be a couple of decent guys that I worked with. Both of them have quit. Why did they quit? Well, it's because of the BS. We can't help the people that actually need help, which is what you get into this job to do if if you're a good person. It's interesting that whenever honest cops call in like you, we get the same story that the corruption rises through the ranks that the good guys the guys like you that got in to make a difference and actually help people and catch the real bad guys the guys like you end up getting frustrated by the system frustrated by the corruption and the bureaucracy and they end up quitting which of course means that more bad guys can move in and move up through the ranks is anything inaccurate about that no sir that's my point entirely free talk live seven nights a week from seven to ten eastern live on the liberty radio network at lrn.fm What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN. Yo, give me something to dance to. KKSM, Oceanside. 
1320, the radio revolution. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio. Freethoughtmedia.org has all the links for Bitcoin and everything, and the Facebooks and the YouTubes and the Twitters. Um, just got word in from blabbermouth.net, the leading heavy metal news site. Uh, got it from Kelly Schaefer, uh, lead singer of Atheist, that the drummer of Atheist, Steve Flynn, um, was recently involved in a serious car accident after another vehicle pulled in front of him at 50 miles per hour. Flynn was taken by an ambulance to a hospital and was treated for injuries to his wrist, neck, and jaw. He still requires some physical therapy, but is improving swiftly at his home in Atlanta. So that's good to hear because, you know, back in the day when Atheist was first around, their bass player died in a, in a car accident, Roger Patterson. Um, so it, very, very shocking. And Atheist is one of my favorite bands. Got to see him. Uh, during my birthday weekend last last year um, for like a Scion Fest in the, in the middle of Pomona at the same time that I was doing the Cush Expo uh, working with the Gary Johnson campaign sharing the booth with law enforcement against prohibition. So it was all a really good experience. Um, great to see Atheists live. And it was also um, St. Vitus uh, uh, and I think the casualties were... You know, so it was a really awesome weekend, and obviously Libertopia per- performing there, and, and then spending my 21st birthday getting absolutely smashed. <laughs> uh, but there, you know, uh, <laughs> don't want to go into uh, it, but um, I could have, I could have imbibed myself before I turned 21. You know that. Don't care about no laws, but <laughs> but that brings me, you know, going to the Kush Expo for uh, to help you know, the Gary Johnson campaign that the war on medical cannabis patients is continuing with President Obama showing, you know, extension to the Bush administration. And it's really terrible that there is actually blood on this war. There's a body count, you know, certainly people that are not in the press, you know, I think people that like Richard Floor, who died in prison, he was a seriously ill man, just a compassionate uh, cannabis caregiver died in prison uh i'm sure there's more like him and he's just you know the face of awareness that you know he represents a bunch of other people and you know i'm glad that that he he gets coverage because he represents other people otherwise nobody would get represented and nobody would know about it and the status quo would just continue and makes me kind of sick that supposed you know cannabis supporters like cal penn actor, you know, Harold Kumar would go be Obama's propaganda minister and then say that he's okay on cannabis policy when he's been, you know, destroying it left and right. Uh, you know, the kowtowing with the UN who's trying to come in and say, no, don't listen to the people of Colorado and Washington. Just continue, or and even down to the Colorado people, the UN came in and said, you better not do this. Um, you know, showing that we're kind of selling out our sovereignty here. Uh, not respecting the rights of the people. But uh, my guests for this hour are people who are directing a movie about victims of the war on medical marijuana. And it's currently uh, in pre-production. They're doing a funding campaign via Indiegogo. So they'll talk more about how you can help out with their movie that will bring awareness to the federal governments. You know, Bush, Obama, Clinton, all the same. War on medical cannabis. Joining me now is Justin Marr. He's the director and producer of Prisoners of the Marijuana War, a documentary film, as well as Kerry Boiter, who helps out uh, with the Free Chris Williams campaign, and he's one of the subjects of the film. Uh, Justin and Kerry, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. No yeah, problem. thank you, Alex. No problem. 
So tell us a, a bit about uh, the story of each of the uh, focuses of the uh, Prisoners of the Marijuana War film. Uh, first, the, the Duvals, who you, Justin, are, are related to. They're your stepfather and brother, Aaron Sandusky, Chris Williams, uh, Charlie Lynch, and, and the many more that are covered in the film. Yeah, um, yep, all of those, uh, John Marston Cues and Shelley Waldron. Um, this, uh, what kind of piqued my interest, I've always had kind of a vested interest in, um, in, in kind of a passion uh, in uh, uh, the marijuana uh, war, I guess, so to be. But this, this kind of really, really, uh, when it hit home for me personally, it's kind of what really got me invested. Um, my, uh, my stepfather and my stepbrother, as you said, uh, were uh, charged for... Um, 144 plants. They were indicted uh, in 2012, um, or excuse me, 2011. Uh, they were indicted. Uh, they were growing marijuana legally in Michigan. Uh, my stepbrother specifically was a caregiver. My stepfather, who is actually, um, uh, he has many, um, many medical ailments. Uh, he was a, uh, a lifelong diabetic. He had a kidney pancreas transplant, uh, so he's no longer diabetic, but he's also had open heart surgery. Uh, glaucoma, coronary artery disease. Uh, I mean, the, and the list goes on. He's had like 25 um, eye surgeries. So he was just a patient. He had 12 plants. Um, but um, somehow he kind of got lumped into um, uh, being charged for this. Uh, and long story short, they are, they're now in prison for it. Um, they were, they were, um, uh, they were, um, given their verdict on uh, 420 of uh, 2012 and um, you know and, and from that moment um, you know they've they've kind of just fearlessly been um, been you know on the charge and they uh, they've gained a lot of attention uh, especially with the help of Carrie Carrie's been a, been a huge help in this and uh, the more I looked into it um, I mean because I was I was very angry about this and um, you know in, instead of just uh, being angry about it uh, I was like, what the hell can I do to, to do something about this? Like, how can I get involved? So, um, yeah, you know, Carrie came along and uh, we talked about it. And the more, I, the more I looked into it, the more I read about it, I realized, wow, there are a lot of people that have been affected by this. Um, and this film specifically will focus on um, uh, five cases, uh, the first five cases, uh, uh, the federal five, so to be, um, that have gone to federal trial for marijuana. Um, and I mean, these, these people, I mean, there are, there have been a few more since, uh, a few more that we'll talk about also, but, um, you know, they, these are, these are people that are, um, leading this, this battle. Um, and they're, you know, the government's trying to make an example of them, but they're, they're not backing down. Um, so it's really, it's really incredible. And what I want to show in the documentary is that, um, that these people, um, just because they've been indicted, just because they've been sentenced, just because they're in prison, uh, they're not stopping. And I think that, unfortunately, the media kind of forgets about these people uh, once they go. Um, obviously, you know, they, 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 want the, they want the hottest topic and the sexiest topic. And, and you know, them being, in, them being in prison isn't sexy enough for them. So it's, our, it's now our responsibility to to show them uh, and show the public, like, look, look what these guys are doing. They're, look what they're doing from prison. Um, and, and, and the list goes on and on and on of what they're doing, um, which, again, which we'll talk about here. But, um, 
Yeah, we, I just really want to show on a human level uh, what these people are doing and, uh, and, and what their families are doing and what these organizations are doing like, um, like ASA and Normal and, and um, many others. But uh, it's just it's a nonstop battle and we're, we're right at the end of it, which is like I know people, you know, people hate to be like, oh, right in the middle of a, of a war. Uh, they don't want to, you know, be kind of in the beginning because it's kind of a scary thing. But we're right at the end, so like, what a perfect time, you know, to jump in and share a piece of the glory if that's what you want to do. But look, you know, I want to show people what's all the work that's been put in by these people, and and what they put at stake, their own lives. I mean, the stakes are so high, and what they put at stake is is unbelievable. Um, and they're the ones that are going to end the marijuana war. I mean, I'm, I'm so confident in it that. Um, that's why I want to show this to people because it's it's an incredible story. Oh yeah, and I, I totally like that point that it is almost over. It's just the uh, last vestiges of the establishment power uh, holding on, and and certainly one of those subjects of your film, uh, Charlie Lynch was one of the first uh, prisoners of the marijuana war that I that I discovered um, way back when. I saw a video of him on Reason Television. Um, talking about one of the patients that he had which um as a kid he was a soccer player but then he uh had a tumor in one of his legs and had to get it amputated and like thus his his life and his dreams crushed and and then you know goes back into charlie lynch and how he got raided and uh was almost uh given a hundred year sentence what what's the status of his trial today because that was video was made a long time ago what has he gone through and um, and uh, what's for the future for him? Uh, he is still um, he's still awaiting right now. Uh, or he's been he's been sentenced, but he he's still awaiting to appeal right now. He's not in he's not in prison right now, uh, and I believe he's on house arrest. Uh, I just spoke with him recently, and he's just you know I mean he he's doing the same thing right now. I mean for, he's one of the fortunate ones that is that is not in right now, uh, but he's fighting like crazy, uh, to end this thing. And, um, you know, he's, he's familiar with, with my family and kind of what's going on. And, um, you know, it's just, um, he's just another person that's really staying positive in this and really just, um, you know, doing everything in his power. Unfortunately, he can't really travel. He can't go outside of California to, um, kind of promote himself, but, you know, Fortunately, you know, for the advent of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and everything else, uh, in his documentary um, uh, and you know videos that are on like Reason TV, he's able to to, to promote his story and, and just say like, look, look what happened to me and, and look what I'm doing now. Um, so he's doing he's he, you know it sounds like he's doing doing just fine over there. Um, obviously, it's you know taking a toll on him, uh, but he's you know. He's still fighting, and he's out of prison, so he's able. To, he, you know, he's. I say he's one of the fortunate ones that's able to um, to keep fighting. And what did the uh, sentence actually end up to be? Not was it a hundred years or was it less? Uh, I believe it was less. Carrie, what what exactly did the the sentence end up being? You know, Charlie was sentenced to one year and one day, wow. uh, which is fortunate, as you mentioned. But I do want to point out that he has not escaped the fate of this sentence yet. You know, there's then other prisoners like him, Brian Eppis, for example, who were allowed to um, remain free pending appeal. And ultimately, Brian Eppis did have to go to prison and serve the sentence that he was handed down. Thankfully, very thankfully, Brian Eppis 
was just released from prison last week. He is one of the very first drug warriors that we have. Um, and he's now spending time with his family, you know, in seclusion and privacy, spending as much time as he can with them. But I do just want to point out that even though Charlie isn't behind bars right now, this fight for him ultimately could still lead to prison. And it's yeah, not yeah. over. Yeah. Uh, Carrie, do you want to jump in on, on uh, your thoughts on the film and especially one of the subjects that you work with uh, personally, Chris Williams? Well, yeah, Chris Williams, um, you know, he's gotten a lot of attention because he went on trial like these other gentlemen who are going to be part of this film. But, you know, what ultimately ended up happening as a result of just some ridiculous antics in the prosecutor's office you know, since we talked last, Alex, it's really come out in the national media just how crazy this prosecutor in Montana is. It's been all over. He's actually going so far as to try and appeal some of the sentences that he felt were too lenient. So in Montana, where Chris Williams was um, convicted and sentenced, we really have a unique district where they are out for blood. And so the prosecutors there stacked his charges in a manner where if he did choose to plead guilty, or if he did choose to go to trial, and instead of pleading guilty, he would pay a very significant price for it. Nobody really knew before the trial exactly how bad it was. He was told that if he went to trial, he would be uh, sentenced to 45 years in prison and he would serve all of it. But it turns out that after the trial happened and he was convicted unanimously on all eight counts, that he actually faced a 90-year mandatory minimum sentence. Nine zero, nine decades behind bars for legally following state law. So you can imagine the country was just outraged about this. And I think what this really shows is the sentencing disparities that happens in these cases. You know, you have um, Jerry and Jeremy Duvall who are serving five and 10 years apiece. And Charlie Lynch, who also went on trial, was sentenced to a year and a day. Now, meanwhile, Chris Williams, of course, faced a 90-year mandatory minimum sentence, also for complying with state law. And we've just learned, um, again, within the last week, that there is a gentleman in Michigan, just 30 miles up the road from where Jerry and Jeremy Duvall lived, who was growing 8,000 plants. Now, there is no way that this gentleman could have been in compliance with state law with 8,000 plants. The uh, limit is 72 plants, and you can only have five patients besides yourself in Michigan. But a judge in that case felt that this man deserved a break. That was his quote. He deserves a break. And so he gave him probation. And this is the same jurisdiction, the same prosecutors, where the Duvalls were sentenced to five and ten years for having just a fraction of that amount of plants. He had 55 times more plants than the Duvalls had. And he received probation. His wife has actually had her indictment dismissed. And the prosecutors there are not challenging any of that. In fact, they didn't even argue against it in open court. And so I just don't understand how in the exact same jurisdiction with the same judges and the same prosecutors, some people who grow less than 150 plants can get 10 years in prison. And others who grow 8,000 plants can have their indictment dismissed. It completely makes no sense to me. Exactly. Um, um, what 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 is your role in the film, Carrie? And um, um, well, how did you get? It? What, what was the impetus to to make a movie about it? And and uh, 
And um, what's the plan going forward as far as uh, fundraising and uh, uh, has it uh, begun in production yet? You know, I'll let Justin talk more about the film and the fundraising, but I'll say that how I got involved in this is that as I've been working um, with these prisoners, I've kind of learned a lot about the, the guys who went on trial. And we had talked before about um, Chris Williams's partner, Richard Floor, who died in federal prison uh, while serving his sentence. And so I started looking into this law that was passed by Congress. It's called Compassionate Release. And it's a program that uh, the, the Bureau of Prisons has a over. And as it turns out, that Congress has decided that the Bureau of Prisons can choose to release any inmate at any time for extraordinary and compelling circumstances. Now, when I looked into this more, I discovered that usually what happens is it's medical reasons. So I brought up Richard Floor because he was a good example of somebody who's really, really sick and probably should have received compassionate release. But it was too late by the time I learned about Richard Floor. And I decided it wasn't going to be too late for his wife, Sherry Floor. I filed a compassionate release request for her. She was my first case. Awesome. And then with Jerry Duvall, being as sick as he was, much like Richard Floor, I don't want to see this man die in federal prison. Too many people die in federal prison. You know, actually, more than 4,000 people died in 2011 in prison. That is more people than all of the soldiers killed in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. And compassionate release could stop these deaths. They're very tragic. And the problem is, is that the DOJ has done a thorough review of this program. It just came out in May, the DOJ's 90-page report on compassionate release. And they see that it's not being utilized properly. If it was used right, we could reduce overcrowding and we could save billions of dollars. But they found out that out of the 208 cases that they reviewed, 28 of those people, 14 percent, had had their requests approved by the warden of the prison where they were staying and also by the regional director. So both of these prison officials who are higher up determined that these men and women definitely had extraordinary and compelling circumstances and should be released. But unfortunately, these 28 men and women died waiting for their cases to move through the bureaucracy. All they needed was a rubber stamp from the director of the Bureau of Prisons and they never got it, they died instead. And so with Jerry Duvall, I applied and I put together a request for him before he ever went to prison. We put this together and sent it off as quick as we can, hoping that maybe we might get through this bureaucracy before his 10-year sentence is up, or worse, before he dies behind bars. And we have gotten a response back. You know, actually, it, it's... Um, it's a response, which I suppose is great, um, but it's basically directing us right back to this bureaucracy that's so broken. Um, they're telling us to refile the request with Jerry's warden now that he's actually incarcerated. And we've already filed the request with his warden. So we'll do what we have to. We'll jump through these hoops. But meanwhile, we're continuing to get media attention about this. We uh, had it in Huffington Post. They published a portion of the request, which showed that they're going to spend $1.2 million just on Jerry's medical care over the next 10 years. Wow. And we've gotten more media coverage in the last week since getting almost 2,500 signatures on a petition to support Jerry Duvall. And so if they think this is going away, or if they think they can bog us down in bureaucracy, they're wrong. And that is how I got involved with the Duvall family. 
Awesome. Uh, Justin, do you want to talk about yeah. uh, what the film's progress is, um, how you're going to fundraise, and just you know, being an independent filmmaker, what's the hardships uh, surrounding? Um... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Alex. Um, so yeah, so I got um, uh, Carrie got involved with us. Uh, I don't know what was it, Carrie, a couple months ago, and um, uh, you know, she she actually came to Michigan. Uh, she stayed with my family. Uh, she, you know, they had a big press conference there uh, as a send off for uh, for Jerry Lee. Uh, my stepfather and um, and you know we've just been we've been promoting this thing like crazy. Uh, I put together um, uh, about a seven and a half minute uh, sizzle reel. It's just a, it's a short video, kind of detailing uh, the Duval story. Uh, obviously, because that's the most um, personal and easily accessible for me. Uh, and it, it's it's just kind of showing um, an example of of what the film will be. Um, and right now. Uh, you know we're on we're on Facebook we're on Twitter uh, we have an Indiegogo uh, campaign which is a crowdfunding uh, website um, where we are trying to raise twenty five grand uh, by July thirteenth uh, we've raised we've raised about twenty five hundred so we're not uh, we're not quite to our mark yet but um, you know in these next two weeks these are like the critical two weeks uh, where actually donations really really jump uh, because people. You know the stakes are a lot higher, and, and people, you know, uh, want to get involved in something that's kind of right at the end. It's, um, uh, it's, I don't know, like a crowdfunding phenomenon, I guess. But um, is it a all or nothing thing like Kickstarter, or is it just? It's not. It's not actually, and that's why, I like Indiegogo, um, you know, it's uh, you get you get whatever is donated to you at the end. They just take a bigger cut. Uh, they take a nine percent fee rather than a five percent fee if you don't make it all. But what we're also doing, um, you know, the crowd or the, the crowdfunding and uh, the fundraising is not going to end there. We're going to, uh, you know, people can still donate via PayPal uh, to the marijuana war at gmail.com. Um, and we are also doing an event in New York City, uh, which is where I live. Uh, we're doing like a it's going to be like an arts event where we're going to have like three bands playing. Um, and we're going to have a couple of, uh, artists. One of them's like, he specializes in like graffiti art. Uh, we're going to have a, um, uh, this really cool, like, it's kind of like an abstract sketch artist. Um, he's really, these artists are really great. Uh, and we're also going to have, um, uh, we have a couple of sponsors that are going to be handing stuff out and it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, there's just, there's an admission to get in the door and it, it's, it's just going to be kind of a collective place that, that people can learn about um, the prisoners of the marijuana war, but also just um, people that I can get in, get in relationship with and meet personally face-to-face. Because um, so far it's been, uh, you know, we, we've been very fortunate with, uh, with crowdfunding and uh, we've, we've gotten a pretty solid uh, following. Like Carrie said, we've had 2,500 signatures. You know, we're approaching 500 likes on Facebook. Um, uh, we've had a bunch of stuff retweeted on Twitter, um, so we've, like I said, we've we've really gained some momentum with this thing, and now now I'll actually have the chance to go the old-fashioned way and uh, and, and meet people face to face, and I think that has a much bigger impact. So this uh, this is going to continue, you know, just because July thirteenth is the end date of the Indiegogo fundraiser, we're going to continue fundraising and promoting this thing like crazy. So and it's kind of a unique project, Alex, because it's not just uh, it's not just the film. I mean, it's a whole movement, um, and it's been molded uh, together by um, you know I have a fantastic team in Carrie, um, my brother, uh, who's a, a social media guru. He's been totally just 
Uh, he's been doing great putting this whole thing together uh, and helping out. And um, uh, I also have an investigative journalist uh, that, that's helping out uh, with some of the research, and uh, she'll be conducting some of the interviews in the field. I mean, she's, she is tenacious. She's, she's vicious when she's uh, conducting interviews. So, um, yeah, great crowd uh, that's helping out. And then uh, it's just been really, really well-received. Uh, we, we put up... Uh, uh, when I first launched uh, the video about 30 days ago, we put it up on Reddit as well, uh, and we had uh, over 2,100 upvotes in 24 hours, uh, and our our um, donations spiked. Like you know, we had we had crazy donations in in 24 hours. So awesome. um, people love it, and people want to do something about it. I think I think the thing is is that people just don't know how to get involved or or. or you know what's the easiest way to get involved? So we're making it really easy for people to get involved. Obviously, convenience is uh, is what America loves. So we're going to make this thing as convenient as possible. So you can sign the petition, which um, uh, is ending July fourth. Uh, you can donate via Indiegogo. Uh, you can donate via PayPal uh, to the marijuanawar@gmail.com. You can like on Facebook. You can check us out on Twitter, uh, which is the Marijuana War Twitter. Uh, Facebook is P of M War. Uh, we have two videos on YouTube. Uh, like I said, we have the sizzle reel that's showing uh, the Duval case. Uh, and I also went to uh, Devons, Massachusetts, uh, where uh, Jerry Lee uh, is being held right now in the uh, Devons uh, medical facility, federal medical, uh, federal, med- uh, federal medical facility there. Um, I followed him in with a camera um, and filmed him basically self-surrendering. Uh, and then at the end, um, it kind of details another video campaign that um, that uh, my team is launching uh, called "The Marijuana War Is Not Over." Uh, Bill Maher um, released this um, kind of a kind of a humorous, almost like satirical, like Bill Maher, cla- you know, classic Bill Maher article in the Rolling Stone, um, talking about how the marijuana war is over. I I don't know if he actually literally meant the marijuana war is over, but it's a very bold statement and. Uh, you know, it's something you shouldn't say when the marijuana war is not over. And obviously, people take him very seriously and listen to him. And you know, he's in the Rolling Stones, so it's, you know they're going to take him very seriously there. Uh, so what we want to do is just say, like, listen, yes, he said the marijuana war is is over. It's not over. That like this is look at these people that are still fighting, and and this is another interactive way that we're going to get people involved. Um, it's basically a video campaign uh, where. If someone has been affected by uh, the marijuana war, or if you know they happen, if it's a prisoner who is who has access to, to a video, or you know is, is is at home or something, or has not been uh, sent to prison yet, can just submit uh, like a, a three to five minute video, uh, or as long as you want, actually, just just tell us your story, um, send three to five pictures, um, and we'll. We'll cut this video. We'll make it look nice, and we'll put it up on YouTube. And we're going to launch this uh, this video campaign and just get as many many um, uh, prisoners and people and families that have been affected by this thing. And my vision is to have like you know over a hundred videos of, of you know people just saying uh, you know for example my mom is going to uh, submit one as well and and just saying like hello I'm Tracy Duvall. Um, my uh, my husband Jerry Duvall and my stepson uh, Jeremy Duvall are both in prison right now. Um, you know I'm home alone, um, but I'm doing everything I can. I'm going to rallies. 
Uh, I'm staying positive. I'm in communication with all these people. And uh, the marijuana war is not over. Um, so obviously, you know, the, the people that are submitting don't have like editing capabilities and, and um, uh, you know, something that can kind of spruce the video up. So that's where we're going to take over. And we're just going to um, get these people involved. We want their stories heard. And now that we've developed the following, it's like a perfect avenue for their story to be heard. Um, and then uh, when we film, uh, when we make the film at the end of the year, uh, we're going to start filming um, in uh, January, Fe uh, December or January, um, developing the schedule right now. We are going to actually go to them and, and tell some of their stories. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we're doing right now to promote this thing. Uh, but, you know, I know it's going to continue to carry on even after the film is made. Uh, this campaign is going to continue until the day that we're watching the news and uh, the headline is the marijuana war is over. Definitely. Um, what, what is some of the production progress of, of the movie? Have you begun filming and just generally what, what, what do you find are some hardships of independent filmmaking? Oh, sure. Yeah. I forgot about that question. Sorry. Um, so, uh, yeah, we have done, I mean, I, I haven't, the only thing that I've filmed so far is, um, is, is my family. Um, but I've, you know, I've, like I said, I've been in contact and I've been, uh, staying in communication with uh, the other prisoners, um, those that, that we talked about in the beginning, you know, Charlie Lynch and uh, Chris Williams and John Marston Hughes and Shelley Waldron. Um, uh, so I've been in contact with all of them, and we are – I have a, a budget and schedule put together. Uh, and right now we're, we're kind of um, trying to figure out how to potentially – get into the prisons and interview these people. So um, on, the, on the documentary level, to answer your question, on the documentary level, um, that's one of our biggest challenges is like, how are we going to get around, um, you know, how are we going to get around this to actually talk to these people? Because I want to I interview them face to face. Um, so we're, we're kind of strategizing how we're going to do that. Um, and... Um, Sorry, I'm like drawing a blank here. We're also, um, uh, you know, we're also figuring out um, uh, travel-wise, like you know, which, which prisons we're going to, um, and one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest challenges challenges in uh, independent filmmaking is just that uh, fundraising is is insanely difficult. Um, Carrie, did you have something? Oh, sorry. I thought you said something. Um, we one of the biggest challenges we have is is fundraising. Um, it's just independent filmmaking is such such a difficult thing right now. I mean, studio filmmaking is it, studios have completely dominated the market, and uh, indie filmmaking is. I don't want to say it's dead, but it's 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 almost impossible to raise the funds. But I think that we can do it. You know, obviously there's a huge following already. Um, so, you know, we're tapping into that market and, um, you know, we're getting a lot of people really excited about it and getting a lot of people angry about it, which is what we want. We want people to really care about this, um, because a lot of people do care about it. They just don't know what to do about it. So, um, yeah, those are some of the biggest challenges that we're facing. Um, and I have a great, I have a great film crew. Uh, I have a great director of photography that I've worked with a couple of times, uh, that's got this beautiful new camera, Sony F5. Uh, we're going to be traveling with that, and um, you know we're going to we're going to do everything we can. Um, we're also going to be interviewing some of the um, 
uh, actually, I have a, uh, a a former DEA agent. Uh, we'll probably have to um, interview him anonymously. That is vehemently against uh, what he has had to do in in raiding, you know, raiding states um, because he's actually done like raids for marijuana raids and uh, vehemently against what he does, which is like baffling to me that there are. You know, there, there are actually federal agents that are doing stuff against their own will, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's kind of what we're doing right now. We're also, you know, we're developing the script um, and, and what we're going to be what we're going to be talking about. But the main focus, Alex, is that this is going to be on a very human level. We're going to tell the individual stories from the point that they were uh, sentenced uh, and uh, up until what they're doing now. Um we're, gonna, we're not really going to focus as much on the, the history of the marijuana war. We'll touch on that, obviously, to, to give people some foundation. But it's really going to be about um, uh, telling these people's stories as they continue to, to move on after, you know, emotional and financial and uh, so many other forms of trauma. They're just, um, you know, they're trucking along. And, um, you know, we want to detail that and shine some light on it. Definitely. For those just joining, I'm speaking with Justin Marr. Uh, he's the director and producer of the Prisoners of the Marijuana film, as well as Carrie Boiter, who is uh, uh, another uh, member of the film crew helping out. And she also uh, helps with uh, the campaign to free Chris Williams, one of the subjects of the film, Prisoner of the Marijuana War. Uh, do you guys have any, have any final thoughts uh, about the issue? I mean, how these guys actually do help out sick people and why it is a travesty that what is happening to them uh, when they're clearly actually helping out sick people where the pharmaceutical industry leaves them out to dry and die. Yeah. Um, Carol, I'll let you jump in and just make I know you have some good stuff to say about that. Um, basically, I mean, the, the thing is, is that these people are like, these are, these are family people. I mean, these are people with families. Um, you know, like John Marston Cues, he has two kids. Uh, he's a businessman. He's a very successful businessman. And he's, he's in prison now. You know, he had he had a great wife, Shelley Waldron, who's also in prison. She'll be released at the end of the summer. And, you know, my, my stepfather has two great kids. He had a great farm that we grew up on, and it's gone. I mean, the government took it, and they took everything. I mean, his entire estate, his whole legacy has just been, it's just been vanished. It's just vanished, you know. It's just been completely taken from him. Um, so it almost seems, I mean, it's like this gray area that we fall in. It, it's, such a, um, it's such a subjective arbitrary, uh, it's almost like, it's almost personal, you know, it's personal that, uh, the DEA can attack my family and take everything. But, um, you know, this guy in Romeo, you know, they, they just give him probation for 8,000 plants and, and, you know, great for him. I'm very, very happy for him that he got out of this. It's just a, it's just a breakdown in our, in our, um, justice department. It's really, it's a shame that, um, you know, they can't be consistent across the board. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know. It's it, it, to me, it just seems like it, it's just a personal issue. And, and, and um, I know uh, there were some neighbors that, that had some issues with him growing. Um, and it's just um, it just sickens me that it can be influenced by uh, by a community rather than um, just looked at objectively by our uh, justice department, which we rely on. Um, that we're supposed to rely on anyway, and, and this is this is how we're repaid. And now we're going to have to literally pay more to keep these people in prison. And uh, it, it sickens me and it angers me. And um, I think it should everybody. 
Yeah, you know, that's the perfect segue to, to the two points that I wanted to follow up with, Justin. I, I want to talk about forfeiture here because I don't think people really realize how that works. You know, they don't just take you to prison. They take everything that you've worked your whole life for, that your family has worked their whole life for. They, you know, really actually pirates. I'm just going to call it like it is. They're pirates. They're using admiralty law, the law of the open seas, to rape, pillage, and plunder and take these resources from these families. So in the case of the Duvalls, Jerry's mother, Sharon Duvall, actually bought that farm. She bought it decades ago, and she spent her entire life paying it off in $100 a month payments. That tells you how long ago she bought this farm. She planned to pass it down to Jerry, and Jerry planned to pass it down to his two children. And three generations that these this family has toiled on that farm, it's gone. The federal government took it in one fell swoop. And there is absolutely no question in my mind that in the case of the Duvall family, this is a headhunt. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about something that's a little difficult here because I am a proponent of larger reforms to the drug war in general. I don't think this is just about marijuana. That's a really great place to start because it's a non-toxic substance that nobody has ever died from. But what you have in this, in this sentencing law, anything that you've ever done in the past can be held against you. For example, I myself have misdemeanor criminal possession charges from when I was a teenager and I got caught with a small amount of marijuana. Now, if I was to face federal charges, I would be held liable for that because I have a prior criminal record. And as a result, my sentence would be doubled. So where Jeremy Duvall got a five-year sentence, Jerry Duvall got a 10-year sentence. And that's because of a crime that he was convicted of in the 80s. You know, he served his time. It was 25 years ago. He's 25 years old at the time. Imagine if at 50, you were held accountable for a crime that you did in your early 20s. This is the reality of the sentencing law. And the reason why the sentencing law is the way that it is, is because Congress wanted to encourage uniformity. They didn't want this 8,000 plant count probation and 144 plant wrong. So they put different laws in place that unfortunately have been used to punish people even more unfairly. Laws like mandatory minimums, uh, laws like the drug quantity table, firearms laws. Um, and so there are so many problems with the U.S. sentencing laws right now that the Sentencing Commission has actually put out a, a list of its priorities at the end of May. And there's a whole bunch of them that they want to change, starting with mandatory minimums, which is what, of course, Jeremy and Jerry Duvall and Chris Williams and Aaron Sandusky, they're all serving time on mandatory minimums. But they're also looking at drug and economic crimes and how they might be able to reduce the sentencing guidelines on those. And, you know, right now they're taking public comment until July 15th. Anyone who feels that the sentencing laws are wrong can send in their suggestions on how they might be changed and tell their personal stories about how they've been affected. So, for example, on mandatory minimums, one really simple thing that the U.S. Sentencing Commission could do is expand the safety valve. And the safety valve is what was used to give the gentleman in Rome Township probation. So if they just simply allowed the safety valve to be applied more people, to more people than it currently is, um, for example, if you go to trial, 
you cannot have the safety valve because you have an accepted personal responsibility in their mind. So all these guys were talking about they couldn't have gotten a safety valve just because they exercised their right, constitutional right, to go to trial. Um, that's one thing they could do. Another really simple thing they could do is on drugs and economic crimes, they could give an immediate two-level reduction to anybody in prison, and a lot of them would go free right now because they would have already served their time. With firearms, a really simple thing they could do, Chris Williams is serving time on a firearms charge. We really talked about that in depth before. Um, but basically, because he is charged with a firearm crime, he's not eligible to do drug abuse treatment. He can do the treatment, but doesn't receive the incentive for completing it, which is a year off of your sentence. And so if they just expanded RDAP eligibility to people with firearms, for example, or made it so that firearms alone were not an automatic disqualifier for being able to complete drug abuse treatment, which I think all prisoners who have drug abuse problems should be encouraged to complete, not discouraged. And other simple things like recidivism and re-entry, you know, uh, there was the Second Chance Act passed by Congress three years ago now, and it was supposed to increase the amount of time that these prisoners were serving on home confinement and in halfway houses. But the Bureau of Prisons has never fully implemented it. So now we have a new bill from a representative in Utah trying to get them to fully implement this bill that's already been passed once. If the U.S. Sentencing Commission, as part of their priorities that they're um, undertaking right now, were to require that this be fully implemented, or to look at the bill out of Utah, where they're talking about getting 30 days credit for every 30 days served for minimum security, non-violent offenders who have utilized every opportunity in prison to better themselves, then we would see massive reductions in our overcrowding. We right now jail 2.2 million people in America. We jail more people than work at Walmart. If you took all the Walmart workers in all of the country, in all World, actually, globally, you took all Walmart workers and you put them all in one room. That's how many people go to prison in America every year, and half of them not committed violent crimes. The only crime they've committed is related to drugs, drugs that people are getting somewhere else while these gentlemen are in prison. So these are on some of these. Uh, changes while we have the opportunity for July 15th, showing that there is real public support for reforms to this system because it's not easy to uh, take these soft. And so these, uh, these politicians in DC to take on some of these changes, they're going to need to see that America is sick of us and our over incarceration problem. Exactly, and it affects sick people the most. And like you said, I, I'm glad you mentioned the asset forfeiture thing. Um, I, I had the guy from uh, Forfeiture Reform and Coplock, you know, mention the that it's the law of the high seas that you can just take your stuff without charging you with a crime. And this, you know, affects people. It actually helps out sick people, and that's some that's what detriments them. It takes away a safe, reliable source of medicine for people that have serious ailments like cancer, or HIV, and AIDS. So. I'm very grateful for what you guys are doing to bring this awareness. Um, it's because it, with all these states introducing medical cannabis laws, I, I, I think it's it's you know they're they're all saying to hell with the federal government. We're going to do what we want anyways for the sake of people that are sick, and um, and and hopefully that these people that 
took the forefront on this by not taking plea deals, whether it be Chris Williams or Aaron Sandusky, so on and so forth. They're, they're making a political statement to help fight this war. So I, I thank you guys again for, for doing what you do. I've been speaking with Carrie Boiter. Uh, uh, she helps represent Chris Williams, one of the prisoners of the marijuana war, which is a uh, subject of tonight's uh, or this interview, which is the movie Prisoners of the Marijuana War, which uh, I was also joined by the director, Justin Marr. Uh, if you'd like to help with the movie, uh, just go on Indiegogo.com, go to the search bar and type in Prisoners of the Marijuana War. They have different levels of ways you can contribute to the movie. Of course, the it's not a winner-take-all uh, or no, uh, it's not a uh, all-or-nothing thing like Kickstarter, so they will get what you do pledge, um, but it will continue past the ex- expiration date of the Indiegogo fundraiser. So again, it's Indiegogo.com. So go in the search bar, Prisoners of the Marijuana War. Carrie and Justin, thank you guys again very much for joining the program. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Alex. And those were my guests, the makers of the movie Prisoners of the Marijuana War. It's being funded via Indiegogo. You can check out, just go to Indiegogo.com, search for Prisoners of the Marijuana War. Contribute what you can. Every dollar helps, and it all goes towards them. Uh, My guest on next week's show is the Ben Swan. Check him out, benswan.com. He used to host Reality Check on Fox 19 in Cincinnati. It was an independent affiliate of, uh, of Fox, uh, so he got to do some very radical reporting uh, for liberty issues. Talked about the fraud that kicked out Ron Paul delegates at the GOP convention. Talked about uh, you know the Commission on Presidential Debates exclusion of Gary Johnson and Jill Stein, um, the situation in Syria and how the U.S. is funding Al Qaeda in Syria, just like they funded Al Qaeda in the 80s against the Soviets. Uh, uh, he broke it uh, that the 2013 so-called reforms to the NDAA weren't actually reforms and more. And now he's taking his uh, media extraordinaire, his style of old school real journalism, and he's doing the Truth in Media Project, which is a Kickstarter fundraiser. So it's an all or nothing thing. Uh, if he, he has to reach his goal in order to get the pledges. Um, but it's the Ben Swan Truth in Media project on Kickstarter, uh, Swan with two N's. Ben Swan going to be on uh, next week's show along with Dan Johnson of People Against the National Defense Authorization Act, Panda. And uh, I'm going to play two songs. Um, But before that, I want to say stay tuned for the top of the next hour because I uh, have a really great story to tell about uh, the the fluoride... uh, uh, situation going on, the continuation of the, of the fluoride crusade um, made the front page of the Coast News, which I think is pretty radical and awesome because it is a t- very powerful environmental issue. You know, the dumping of industrial waste byproducts into our environment and, and our ecosystem and, you know, not letting big pharma control everything and just do irreversible damage to the environment. Uh, so I'm going to talk more about that, going to talk about how I participated in the Chalky Pie Solidarity Day this last past Saturday, near-arrest experience. So some plenty of great stuff coming up, so you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, but uh, right now is Legalize It by Peter Tosh, and then after that, Prison Song by System of a Down, a great combination regarding my last guest, the makers of the movie Prisoners of the Marijuana War. Check them out on Indiegogo for their fundraiser, Prisoners of the Marijuana War. KKSM. Legalize. 
you feel like there's nothing you can do about the inexorable growth of government? I did too, before I heard about the Free State Project. The Free State Project is a project to get 20,000 liberty lovers to move to New Hampshire to have liberty in our lifetimes. Early movers for the FSP are getting elected, involved in their communities, and participating in civil disobedience. Call 888-377-2515 now to learn more about the Free State Project. 888-377-2515. Federal government would like to remind you that while some will tell you to think for yourself, this is not necessary as we have taken care of this for you. Simply pledge allegiance to those who keep you safe and avoid dangerous behavior, worst of which, questioning authority. How long do you want to live in blissful ignorance while each day the state assumes more power over you and your stuff? Do you remember signing off on that? Or do you accept it because it is what it is? I'm sure it feels real nice to tune out, hang out at the mall with your BFFs, and if you have a problem, just vote for the other power-hungry political party for your solutions. I don't have the luxury because one day I found something out. I own myself. And you know what useful thing is in there? My brain! The state can keep trying to tell you what to do from the barrel of a gun, but it's up to you to decide who controls your thoughts. Free your mind from the status quo. It's the first step towards reclaiming your liberty. Ah, well, you got us there. Listen to Cody O'Connor's Off There Live every Thursday and Saturday night at 10 Eastern. It's dangerous, hilarious, and live. KKSM. I couldn't be more excited about this. When people hear me describing it over the radio, they are going to remember that AM radio is a viable and modern source for news and entertainment. KKSM. KKSM. I used to be number one in this town, but people don't listen to AM like they used to. Seems like it's more about FM and color TV. That's stupid. KKSM AM 1320. Cox Cable Channel 957 and KKSM, the radio revolution. This is the big one, boys. This is the one that brings us back. KKSM. It is literally AM radio in San Diego. You know what that means. You stay classy, San Diego. Soon, AM radio will reign king once more. (laughs) (laughs) This is your Peace News for Sunday, July 7th, 2013. Silver is trading at $19 per ounce. Bitcoin is trading at $69 per Bitcoin. This episode brought to you by WeUseCoins.com. The Activist Post reports that NSA recruiters went to the University of Wisconsin earlier this week to pitch language students on working for the agency, and they got more than they bargained for. The informed students turned the question-and-answer session into a hearing. On trial were the NSA's lies, their legality, and how they define adversary. Audio was recorded and posted online by one of the interviewers, Medea Tahir. Unfortunately, she made the link undownloadable, but thanks to the website OffLiberty.com, I was able to capture the audio for use in this podcast. So, by adversaries, you actually mean anybody and everybody. There's nobody then by your definition that is not an adversary. Is that correct? The language analyst NSA recruiters were left tongue-tied. Well, okay. I can answer your questions, but the reality No, is I'm just trying to get the clarification because you told us what the two nodes of your work are, but it's not clear to me what that encompasses, and you're being fairly unclear at the moment about what you consider to be an adversary. Some, apparently, it's somebody who's not just an enemy. So. It's something broader than that, and yet it doesn't seem to encompass everyone.
I'm surprised that for language analysts, you're incredibly imprecise with your language. Grad student Medea Tahir charged when they failed to define what constitutes an adversary. A lot of the questions asked of the NSA reps centered around truth-telling versus lies and the agency's credibility in light of recent scandals. Another student directly challenged the NSA's morality for using the globe as their playground and then partying at the office with coworkers. It sounds more like a colonial expedition, you know. The globe is our playground was the words that you used. You seem to be saying that you can do your work, you can analyze said documents for your so-called customers, but then you can go and get drunk and dress up and have fun without thinking of the repercussions that your information that you're analyzing has on the rest of the world. I think the question here is: Do you do you actually think about the ramifications of the work that you do, which is deeply problematic, or do you just dress up in costumes and get drunk? She then challenges them to become whistleblowers because the truth will ultimately prevail. Given the way that the NSA has behaved, given the fact that we have been lied to as Americans, given the fact that fact sheets have been pulled down because they clearly had untruths in them, given the fact that Clapper and Alexander lied to Congress. Is that a qualification for being in the NSA? Do you have to be a good liar? These young students forced the NSA recruiters to claim, in a seemingly desperate defense, that they were not actually there, quote, representing the NSA as an agency. We're not here. Our role as NSA employees is not to represent NSA. The things that are in that press right now about NSA to the public—that's not our role at all. The fact is, you're here presenting a public face for the NSA, and you're trying to sell the organization to people that are as young as high schoolers, and trying to tell us that this is an attractive option in a context in which we clearly know that the NSA has been telling us complete lies. The trouble is, we can't opt out of NSA surveillance, and we don't get answers. So we actually, you know, it's not an option. You're posing it as a choice, like, oh, you know, people who are interested can just sit here, and those of us who are not interested can leave. If I could opt out of NSA surveillance and it was no longer my business, that would be fine. But it is my business because all of us are being surveilled, so that we're is here. So that doesn't seem to be incorrect given the leaks, right? And you are not able. The NSA has not been able to actually put. Are you still using Federal Reserve notes? Don't you know there's a better way? Bitcoin is the world's largest alternative currency. Dollars fund wars of aggression against peaceful people worldwide. Unlike dollars, Bitcoin is decentralized. Using the government's money keeps the government afloat. Let them sink. Get started using Bitcoin today. Visit weusecoins.com to learn more about this empowering new currency. That's weusecoins.com. Subscribe at youtube.com/peacenewsnow and watch us on the next news network. For Peace News Now, I'm Derek J. Reminding you that peace is the way. What does freedom mean? Tune into LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24/7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN. Now we are going to translate KKSM Oceanside.
This is my left hand. Repeat after me. Questa è la mia mano sinistra. AM 1320. This is my right hand. Repeat after me. Questa è la mia mano destra. Radio Revolution. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio here every Monday, 6 to 9 p.m. live on KKSM Oceanside, AM 1320, the Radio Revolution, PalomarCollegeRadio.com and Facebook.com slash KKSM Radio. Also uh, podcasting on the Liberty Radio Network, Keene, New Hampshire, LRN.FM and Facebook.LRN.FM, Facebook.com slash Free Thought Radio. Um, Want to do a quick troll shout out to someone reviewing the iTunes page here. If you go to iTunes, search for Free Thought AAC, you could find all the podcasts going back to January. Uh, a lot of great guests. Uh, if you missed the episode, my guests for tonight were Paul Schrader, sheriff candidate, 2014, San Bernardino County, and the makers of the movie Prisoners of the Marijuana War, who are fundraising on their Indiegogo page. You could search for it on Indiegogo. Um, so this comes from smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, left carrot, right carrot, left carrot. The title is Paranoid Crackpots, two stars, thinking so freely their brains have fallen out. There's only one of me. If you can't get enough delusional paranoia from right wing watch two hours of these guys, there's only one of me, should do it. Whoever said I was right wing, I am very much pro-gay. I'm marching in the pride parade this Saturday. Very much supportive of cannabis and, and drug reform and uh, not that I'm a proponent of the use, but I'm also a proponent of breaking down the propaganda that some of these aren't as bad as, as the government claims, like cannabis or LSD. Delusional paranoia. Uh, you know, I talk about children dying around the world thanks to the hands of this all-powerful imperialist state that we have. There's nothing delusional about that. You know who are the real delusional people? The people that justify the murder of children over and over again for national security or, or for, uh, you know, defending uh, existential threats to Israel and, and everything like that. I, I don't consider myself right wing at all. I'm not a, you know, I support the Second Amendment, but, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I come off across as right wing. I tear down all, you know, the Christian evangelicals like Jimmy Swaggart, you know, Zionism, you know, U.S. funded uh, Islamism like uh, Saudi Arabia or the U.S. backed Egyptians or the U.S. backed Al Qaeda, you know, that uh, which takes away from real Islam, um, which I think is the point of the CIA, you know, to create a boogeyman of be scared of the be scared of Islam, you know, they put up these fake Muslims that they pay for and they give them weapons uh, to actually oppress real Muslims. And create civil war in this country, so that. But there's nothing delusional about blowing the whistle on, on on children dying, and you know how how bad it is, how bad it makes me feel as a person that, you know, people are dying in my place, their lives are gone, they're never going to come back, and it's thanks to warmongers in both parties. You know, President Obama, guy guy uh, on RT had his leg blown off because of a drone strike. And, you know, they got the people from RT just put a laptop right next to him, showed him President Obama, saying, oh, don't worry, we're going to reform the drone war. Well, he has no leg, and, and Obama ramped up the drone wars more than Bush did, you know, just the continuation of Bush. That's 
equal to Bush. The same crap over and over again, you know. But what's so delusional about that? I don't see that parallel. Uh, I think it's just trolling. Uh, you know, maybe they should start thinking a little bit more freely. Um, I don't think my brain has fallen out. Um, you know, maybe my heart's pouring out because I don't think it's all right that people, innocent children, are dying for wars that are not declared for an enemy that is not, that poses no threat to us, you know. And by the way, you know, I got a pair of uh, hemp pants uh, because I don't want to use Levi's anymore because I'm trying to do this whole BDS thing, uh, divest out of Israel, apartheid. Nothing against maybe, you know, the people of Israel. There's a, certainly a lot more dissent in even the Israeli parliament than there is in the U.S. government when it comes to Israel. You know, people that know that Zionism isn't the same as Judaism, that they're kind of taking people's names in vain and attaching murder and theft of land and apartheid to it. Um, but, you know, I kind of didn't like the feeling of, of dead Palestinian women and children so close to my nether regions. So... I got some hemp pants. They are a lot more comfortable than the Levi's and a lot more karmically balanced, I think. So that's not, del that, I don't think it's delusional to care about, you know, children and not wanting them to die and everything like that. So, troll alert. Um, taken care of. And, you know, you know, I hate boxes. I don't like to talk about people right wing because I'm okay with social conservatives as long as they don't implement it into law or spread bigotry, you know, keep it to yourself, you know, you don't like homosexuality, that's fine, you know, you could talk about it in the pew, but, you know, don't do Westboro Baptist Church, don't hurt people that are gay or anything like that, I'm not going to agree with you, I think it is okay to be gay, uh, you know, I'm personally straight, but, you know, I, I'm also, you know, with the gay community on when it comes to gender roles, I'm not a macho guy, I never was, you know, I don't care about gender roles or anything like that, I am who I am, and if, if that does, if that makes me not macho or if I want to get made fun of by someone bigger pecs than me, you know, go ahead. That's their, you know, small penis syndrome uh, affecting them and their insecurities. Um, but going to be marching in the Pride Parade this Saturday with the Libertarian Party. Going to be, unlike SF Pride, going to pay, pay a tribute to Bradley Manning as well as the late Peter McWilliams. Um but going back to the fluoride escapades, part three, uh, edition number three, um, started off, you know, found out that it was going to happen. I knew that fluoride was a, was a hoax. It's industrial waste. It harms the environment and it harms infants. You know, at the end of the day, it comes down to choice, and it's a regressive thing because not everybody can afford fluoride filters. Fluoride, when it, it's not naturally occurring fluoride, which is at less than one part per million naturally occurring, and it's not like sodium fluoride or hydrofluorosilicic acid. It's just fluoride. The, these additive fluorides, which are byproducts from industrial waste, they concentrate lead when they go through the pipes. So they put a big splash of lead right into your glass. And studies have been done to show that, that minorities, uh, Hispanics and African Americans, are more susceptible to uh, increased lead concentration in their bodies, so it is incredibly regressive. You know, people can't afford fluoride filters when they're poor, and then it's also racially regressive, uh, uh, and and it's also you know financially regressive because it sucks taxpayers and gives it to big pharma. You know, big pharma ought not to control things and cause irreversible damage to our environment. 
but here's where it ha- here's where it went down. So I'm like, it's happening in the district that I live. I gotta be an activist when it comes to this, uh, even if I'm just acting by myself. So I decided, hey, I'm at a radio station. I'm a journalist. Why don't I interview these people? Um, so I said, you know, oh, I'm at a college radio station. I just want to do a project and cover local government. Yeah, right. I wanted to be, if I would have said, I'm a journalist. Oh, sorry, see you later. Not going to talk to you. So, you know, started off soft and went straight into the floor. I think just the ignorance, they fell flat on their face. Uh, mentioned the $208,000 salary of the general manager. Uh, you know, defended that. Uh, brought up Bell, California. Uh, you know, no, no, no thought of environment. They're, they participated in Encinitas Environment Day. You know, that you're secretly trying to, you know, if it wasn't if it wasn't for people like me, you know, bringing this awareness, they would have snuck an industrial waste into a natural resource under people's noses, and then participated in Encinitas Environment Day. How nice! Oh, the hypocrisy. The, the it's kind of just you know, it's so cruel. You know, just the the way politicians work. Um, so I did an interview, aired it twice, uh, two weeks in a row. Um, Figured, you know, we ought to do some protest. Did three protests, got actually, you know, spread the word out to some anti-fluoride groups that I had discovered, you know, pretty much on the on the day. Uh, that a couple dentists came out, uh, and then, and then uh, on the last one, you know, kind of made us made an impact. We got covered by a by a news uh, magazine, the Coast News, and uh, I figured, you know, on that day, uh, July first, you know, I kind of went home. I'm like. I kind of don't want to turn the faucet on because that was the day they were supposed to do the fluoride. I uh, thinking, you know, I'm just going to go full-on hippie. I got the hemp pants. I'm going to do a shower protest and and do a shower strike. You know, so, you know, you know, they're doing the hunger strike at Guantanamo. Uh, you know, got to do a shower strike. But, you know, the next day here, straight from the Coast News, it was delayed. So I was like, yes, thank you. You know, they're saying it's because the permitting uh, process is being reviewed, but I'm hoping uh, that they keep it delayed for good. I'm hoping that maybe our activism had uh, something to do with it. So it's right there on the front page of the Coast News, which is awesome. Real environmental issue. It's not pseudo-environmentalism, like whatever they did with the Environment Day, you know, oh, we're going to be this water district at the Environment Day, yet we're sneaking in toxic industrial waste into the ecosystem, irreversible damage to the Elfin Forest Reserve that we're in charge of. You know, this beautiful natural resource. They're the sole people in charge of it, and they can't even keep them, their you know hands off dumping toxic industrial waste into the ecosystem. So I'm hope, hoping it stays, you know, unfluoridated. Um uh, I'm hoping that, you know, that that uh, it, it kind of spreads like uh, all across the country. You know, U.S. is pretty much one of the only countries that does fluoridation. CDC and World Health Organization show no discernible difference between countries that fluoridate and countries that do not in regards to tooth decay. It actually shows that fluoride has a role in decreasing tooth enamel with dental fluorosis. And how does that affect the rest of your bones? You can't dose yourself when you do when you drink fluoride water because you need to drink the amount of water you need to survive. So that causes your bone problems. Concentrates heavy metals on your pineal gland, which affects your brain and expansive thought. Thyroid problems. Endocrine system disruptor. Hormone disruptor. Possible sterilization. Possible cancer links. Uh, bad for pregnant women and infants. You know, 
They should have taken the million dollars they got from California Dental on Big First Five and just stole that fluoride filters to all the pregnant women in, in, in their area. You know, and even if it was good, it's a matter of choice and it's regressive to assume that people should go out and purchase fluoride filters because, you know, you can have your standard one with a little faucet or you can have the big whole house ones, but those are all really expensive because, you know, when you take a shower, fluoride goes through your skin. So, you know, I do the non-fluoride toothpaste. I try to do the filter uh, for the water, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm taking a shower and it's going through my skin. I'm doing everything I can to avoid it and detox myself from it. You know, what about all the uh, yoga pregnant women uh, that, you know, want to do a complete, you know, holistic, uh, you know, approach and not want to be dosed with industrial waste? Just a thought. Um, going to try to talk about it at the next city council meeting, maybe get a ban on fluoride and public water supplies. You know, just go to the Vons and pick up some crests. I'm not going to do that. I'm going for the Toms. Uh, they're also trying to introduce a bar moratorium. You know, the government's going to use force. They're going to have a policeman with a badge tell bars that they have to close early because they know what's best. You know, this social conservative, social engineering. Some of these guys are Democrats, but it's like we're talking to Romney or Pat Robertson here, you know, trying to uh, regulate our behavior. It's just insane. And we just came out of Fourth of July when we were losing even more freedoms with, you know, the Edward Snowden thing, you know. Uh, let, let me go back to the Free Thought Radio Facebook page. I don't have, you know, I usually have headlines printed out, but I was such uh, in a in a flub today, uh, and need to because uh, I usually post things throughout the week before, and then and then uh, summarize them in the following episodes uh, news uh, reels. So, so the first thing that happened was. The Bolivian president was traveling through Europe and his plane was rerouted and force landed in, um, this is from the Huffington Post, I want to say, it was either, I forget the, it, it was um, forced to land in Austria after France and Portugal refused to let it cross their airspace. Now this, after showing that not only is the NSA spying on European citizens, of pretty much every European country and European governments and EU consulates in America. But that also the EU government's letting it happen. They're working with them. Or maybe they're they're working to spy on their own citizens, but it's like a spy versus spy thing and, and the US government's secretly spying on it. It's just ridiculous. Stupid spying. Stop it. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> the Bolivian president, Evo Morales, you know, these guys just can't be treated like this. You know, the U.S. imperialism is so arrogant that they think, well, these little pesky ants in Latin America, we could just rear out their plane because we think they're carrying Edward Snowden. Well, you know what? Why do they have to kowtow to the U.S.? You know, good if he had Edward Snowden on his plane. He should have, and they should have left him alone and let uh, Bolivia do what they want. You know, who are they to decide again? You know, going back to the arrogance of the United States, and it's not going to last for not going to last for long. You know, uh, and I'll talk about my Chalkupy protest, which involved Federal Reserve messaging. So you had the Bolivian president uh, rerouted. Then you have uh, news from Wire.com. Shady companies with ties to Israel wiretapped the U.S. for the NSA. Yeah, Mossad, one of the creepiest organizations out there. I'll read some some FBI file I have regarding some Mossad agents on September 11th. Uh, I have their names and uh, uh, from the police report, uh, thanks to a Freedom of Information 
actor quest. Of course, he had the dog killer, uh, and uh, and uh, and Hawthorne, who actually killed somebody with Down syndrome as his time in a rookie, and then he went on a Facebook rant blaming the dog and owner, and and you know, gosh. Um, but going back back to Edward Snowden, he was actually finally granted some asylum offers from Venezuela, Nicaragua, and um, who else was it? I think there was another country. Uh, forgive my ignorance, but uh, I'm hoping that uh, that they don't try to reroute anybody's planes. You know, it was Obama certainly strong arming people. You know, like a a neoconservative authoritarian that he is in Democrat clothing, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's just like what Obama did to the one journalist from Yemen who reported that it was actually a U.S. drone strike or air strike or, or Navy strike that killed a bunch of children in this remote rural, you know, middle of nowhere, uh, you know, tent village in Yemen, you know, that these guys were supposed militants. Because the Yemeni government's in bed with the U.S., so they take credit for it to take the heat off us. But this journalist came in, exposed that it was the U.S., got arrested by the Yemeni government, was about to get released. But Obama made a special phone call himself to the president of Yemen saying, keep this guy in jail. And you say, we, some people say that, hey, the U.S. is okay to, to journalists and whistleblowers, you know. Bradley Manning, Michael Hastings dead, Aaron Swartz dead, Julian Assange Edward Snowden, Jeremy Hammond, not a very good record when it comes to journalism. Uh, so I'll talk about some more of those, um, but I wanted to, you know, talk about how I think that the U.S.'s arrogance isn't going to last for very much longer. That's why I did the uh, Bank of America Chalkupy Solidarity Day this Saturday. I went to my local Bank of America in Encinitas and... Uh, former member, of course, withdrawn after I realized that, of course, they're owned by the Federal Reserve, you know, hegemons like the Rothschilds and everything like that, and they are lying to their own customers. And, of course, since they're involved with the Fed, they get paid back on our tax dollars. And for those that are dealing with foreclosures, you want to know some little loophole about how this whole system works? The Federal Reserve, when they print money, it's not actually, they print it out of thin air. So when they make loans to people, you know, they, they, that's the way fractional reserve banking works. If they have 10% of what they loan out on reserve, they can make those loans. So if they have $10,000 on reserve, they can make a $100,000 loan. Where they got the $90,000, it's poof magic. It's fraud, honestly. And you know what? A guy actually got out of being foreclosed upon because he proved that the loan that they made in the first place was fraudulent, not him, not him missing his payments, that the loan made to him was fraudulent. Of course, the loans made by the Federal Reserve allowed for the overexpansion of the construction of housing industry, that we have too many homes built, uh, you know, just for the purpose of flipping. That's what led to the bubble, you know, too much supply, not enough demand, crashed. Um, So I not only went to Bank of America to protest the big banks, I went to protest the entire Federal Reserve system with my chalk. Now, of course, if you're watching the webcam, I've got two ounces of silver. I've got the Freedom Girl, a very awesome coin right here. I don't know if you can see it, kind of shiny. Then on, uh, on, the, on the other side of this case, I got the Adam versus the man. Um, voluntarism, don't tread on anyone. 
coin. Because uh, you know what? This is honest money. The, the value exists in the physical matter that encompasses the silver itself. In this little circle, you know, you can't, like, put it in water and it becomes bigger or you can't shrink it. I mean, you could devise, you can devise it, but it has the same value constantly. With Federal Reserve notes, they print it out of thin air, robbing value out of each and every one of your pockets. And where does that value go? It goes to pay to kill children overseas in these undeclared wars. So I think silver, in addition to chalk, is got to be one of the biggest acts of rebellion against the Federal Reserve system. So I came in, first thing I wrote was end the Fed. Wrote a bunch of other things like gold, silver, and copper is money. Paper is not. No thanks, big banks, as I owed to Jeff Olson. Uh, one of his things, I wrote the IRS is the military of the Federal Reserve, given that's how the Federal Reserve gets paid back for loans they make to the federal government. You know, they print money out of thin air, give it to the government on a loan, they get paid back through the income tax. So your hard labor goes to pay for somebody that committed fraud and just made money out of nothing. Uh, you know, that's that's it. And I almost got arrested. Uh, cop came up to me. He's like, hey, you can't do graffiti on there. I'm um, saying... No, it's free speech. It was ruled to be free speech just a week ago. Now, I don't care what you have to say. That goes back to, you know, how cops are just following orders. You know, not caring about free speech or the fact that he is also getting screwed by the inflation fraud of the Federal Reserve. That I wanted to say, hey, uh, you should pull out a dollar out of your pocket. Let me explain to you something. These guys, that, uh, that uh, the higher-ups that own the Bank of America Corporation... They, they, every time they print a new dollar, they rob some value out of your pocket. So you shouldn't be protecting these guys. You should be protecting me from their fraud. But of course, you'd have to ra rally up your buddies, uh, your, co your, you know, your fellow officers, go to England and try to find Jacob Rothschild somewhere and place them under arrest. So you're not, you know, leave the, you know, not, it's not against the workers, that average people that work there, you know, because they're not part of it. It's, you know, the, those big guys. Um, but yeah, and then I said, you know, am I being detained? Like, do you, he's like, do you want to go to jail? Do you want to be arrested? I just said, am, am I being detained? Because it's got to be one or the other. Am I being detained or am I free to go? Can't be both at the same time. So I just kept chalking away and I was left alone because obviously, because, you know, he probably thought I was just some hooligan, but then he saw, you know, it was obviously some political thing. I had my camera rolling the whole time on my phone, going to Ustream, obviously doing a little production there. But uh, took uh, you know put my gold or not gold but copper I had a copper ounce with the cannabis leaf live free or die my Murray Rothbard silver ounce uh, you know just to, right in front of their property it's kind of a little bit of an act of rebellion they would arrest you if you use anything but the dollar as quote unquote legal tender and you know I I am planning on uh, doing a little bit of a political stint in that town next year and I plan promising on nullifying legal tender laws and I'm not a hypocrite I will be the first one to make a transaction in silver let the bankster you know uh, policeman uh, arrest me because you know it's a it's a victimless crime the only people that benefit from legal tender laws are the bankers I mean who really does support legal tender laws I mean pe like oh you know, like somebody, the only people that are going to be supporting it are the bankers. I mean, anybody else would be like, you know, like they could, it's just kind of like, 
Oh yeah, I know Jacob Rothschild. He's a, he, he's a good guy, you know. Once you get to know him, I mean, he he kind of him and his family may have indirectly been responsible for the deaths of I don't know a couple hundred million people here and there, funding you know you know the Nazis and the commies and the Zionists and everything like that. But you know, he's just well, he's just such a warm fella. You need to keep using the dollar. I don't think so. I think every single person that isn't you know some one percenter is going to, you know, support the use of silver and alternative currencies and, you know, voluntary charity, voluntary exchange, barter, you know, farmers markets kind of pretty much anarchy, you know, form of anarchism in the marketplace, uh, you know, and if you nullified statutes for the way the FDA bans testing of genetically modified foods, you can have, you know, a plethora of competing scientific laboratory testing agencies that tests your seeds for genetically modified foods and then also test it maybe throughout the life of your harvest, you know, because contamination can occur. And then, you know, then find out if you actually do have contamination, you could trace it back to Monsanto and sue their asses once and for all. And that would be, you know, and, and the test would be like 20 bucks a pop or something even less because it's competitive and there's multiple players in the market and they also peer review each other for making sure that it's all scientifically based and they're all, you know, they're not like, oh, uh, oh, I could see that your plant's not genetically modified with my own eyes, like the government does when they expect meat. <laughs> uh, Why well, we can't rely on the government for anything, not certainly for their money. And the Federal Reserve isn't even a, a private ins- or a federal institution. They're a private institution. The only thing government related about them is that they exist with their monopoly because of things like legal tender laws and money exchange laws because... The state has a monopoly on violence, so they're going to point guns at you with policemen and now ever more militarized policemen uh, to, you know, to make you stop using things like silver. Which, what kind of a crime is that? Using honest money that doesn't get its value robbed to go to pay to, for unjust wars that kill children overseas. Bring back terrorism to haunt us or fund puppet dictators or the drug war or... You know, spying NSA surveillance at home, drones at home. They're trying to weaponize drones on the border, you know, treating immigrants like ants. That's just the ultimate, you know, spit in the face from the Obama administration and the Department of Homeland Security. You know, these supposed liberal Democrats, we're all cool and hip and chic and we support the immigrants. Yet they're employing the philosophy that if you live on the other other side of a border, then you're less human. And therefore, you should be treated like ants and picked off by having your life taken away with these weaponized drones. So how about some no drones on the border that, you know, illegal immigration isn't a bad thing. The problem is with the situation with legal immigration and how there's quotas and it makes it impossible for people to immigrate through Mexico. So, you know, I believe in right, the right of people like osmosis, you know, to escape from more tyranny to less tyranny. I mean, the United States is pretty tyrannical, but, you know, hey... Mexico is pretty much the same. You know, they wage the same war on drugs with the federales being in bed with everybody, all the cartels, just like the CIA is in bed with all the cartels. Ain't no dime's worth of difference. We Maybe we have some semblance of freedom. And given the freedom movement, maybe there's some f- more freedom on the horizon. Um, but, you know, uh, if the same quotas would have been applied to my dad's home country, maybe I wouldn't be on the air today. So, you know, screw the neocons and their xenophobic racism. You know, uh, we should have more legal immigration by just making it easier because 
you make it hard and people are just going to come over anyways and you know there ain't nothing wrong with that they would much rather come over the legal way if it wasn't for this gosh darn state and you know what some people are leaving because the dollar is collapsing and that has to do with silver that I'm holding right here and I will talk about some more news points like Egypt um, after this next song this is called Tree of Liberty by Sons of Liberty that has been part of your news uh, here on KKSM AM 1320 the radio revolution and LRN.FM the Liberty Radio Network freethoughtmedia.org drop a little bitcoin in the bitcoin tip jar and you know contact to advertise on the show or sponsor the show via the website
Tree of Liberty by Sons of Liberty. Very, very fitting. And I want to talk about Egypt um, because they overthrew their president. You know, something that maybe um, you know, I'm not going to advocate because that would probably cause, you know, martial law here. You know, get people an excuse to do things, uh, you know, to say, oh, everybody's violent terrorists, you know, crack down on the people. That's why I'm advocating peace. And, of course, that's just, you know, the way I believe things. I'm a not, you know, non-aggression principle as a libertarian. Um, but they do it. They did it. Because, um, you know, as people, you know, people that don't understand Middle East politics think that all Muslims are the same. Oh, the Muslim Brotherhood, you know, we're all going to. Uh, terrorists, you know, they don't realize that the U.S. gave $1.6 billion in annual aid to the Morrissey regime. IMF gave them a bunch of loans, you know, got military aid. So he was pretty much a U.S. puppet doing the, the bidding of the U.S., you know, got to be a dictator for a little while. Um, you, you know, you don't see this on the news, but there were a bunch of people holding signs saying, hey, Obama, uh, your bitch is our dictator. <laughs> True, you know, a bunch of truth behind that because, you know, Morrissey basically got carte blanche to get all the funds he wanted, military aid he wanted, as long as he didn't touch Israel. And actually, the, the U.S. is continuing to give aid to, or, uh, to, to, um, to the military. And actually, Israel has pressured the United States to not halt funding to the Egyptian military so that they can leave Israel alone as well and let it, you know Israel keep doing the neo-colonial stuff taking more land by force that is, you know kicking people off uh, bombing Syria for peace as much sense as that makes you know all the all the existential threats that are, are all just a bunch of wicked anti-semites want to kill everybody and uh, collective punishment create a new holocaust yada 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 bullcrap you know it's just the United States, you know, trying to control everybody and then certainly uh, protecting Israel's interests. But uh, I'm I think it's better that, you know, that a better situation uh, that maybe the Morrissey is out and the military is there. But I say, watch out, people of Egypt. These guys are just as much in bed with the U.S. as Morrissey was. And you're, that's why, you know, things are, are they're cracking down. I don't think the I don't think they should stop the Muslim Brotherhood from having free speech or do anything like that. Obviously, the Muslim Brotherhood nobody should be able to initiate force on other people. I don't care who you are, or what you are. Force it ain't never justified against peaceful people. You know, dialogue, marketplace of ideas, uh, not not such an alien concept. But you know, you, you had the the situation. And he, that's my take. I think I think you know both the Egyptian military and Morsi are in bed with the United States. Um, you know, Morsi's just you know a figurehead, and he's just off to jail with former like U.S. Uh, puppet dictators like Mubarak. Same fate. Um, so an another thing that uh, for journalists out there, including myself, uh, Luke Rutkowski of We Are Change uh, almost got. Into a bit of trouble, somebody sent sent him an email through the Tor network that they they went to Bilderberg 2013. They got some files that they didn't want to leak to him. So smartly, he went to a computer that wasn't his. Uh, didn't even get to download the file off the Yahoo email, and it wasn't it wasn't his We Are Change email. It was like his high school email that nobody knows about. 
and uh, it was actually had child porn on it. And if that would have been on his own computer that he owned, you know, the the uh, Homeland Security or, or Customs have pulled him aside before when he had been traveling from country to country and did, you know, sweeps of his laptop. You know, that would have been an f- instant felony, a destruction of We Are Change. So, you know, it's uh, he's issuing a warning to all journalists. Watch your back. The elites are, are, uh, are or at least some people are just trying to screw with you and, and trying to take you down. Senator Lindsey Graham wrote a letter to Russia telling them, you know, to, to give us Edward Snowden. You know, you know, what a mafioso this guy is. You know, this neoconservative, social conservative senator from North or South, South Carolina. You know, uh, he's still in office. He still thinks he has muscle. Um, but, you know, he's a traitor, Senator Lindsey Graham, to the Constitution. And, by the way, I was talking about my Chalky Pie Pro, uh, Solidarity Day uh, last Saturday um, at the local Bank of America. I'm going to po- be posting up a video that soon. YouTube.com slash FreeThoughtRadioVids, V-I-D-S. It's Freethought TV. That's FreeThoughtRadioVids, V-I-D-S. This is the YouTube handle. Uh, right now, I have an hour-long video of the Restore the Fourth March that happened in San Diego, marching through the streets from my perspective. I think it's totally modern-day civil rights in addition to things like medical cannabis because whether it's segregation or surveillance, it's between the master and the subject. Um, let's see what else. Uh, as far as the news, Adam Kokesh did the open carry march on D.C. It was just him. He had a video of him loading a shotgun, but that's... He's currently being investigated. And, you know, Think Progress did like a smear piece on him. That just goes to show how pro-Homeland Security Bush's brainchild, that is if he has a brain, uh, you know, Bush's brainchild, Homeland Security being defended by liberals at Think Progress. You know what You know what gun control is all about? Making these militarized SWAT teams even more powerful over the people. If You, you know, from a liberal standpoint, uh, uh, that I agree with, you know, that's why I, I think, you know, we should try to break down the left-right paradigm and actually look at real progressivism as opposed to this MSNBC pseudo I hate Bradley Manning, gay ink, uh, you know, Edward Snowden is a traitor, you know, we're okay with war as long as it's a Democrat thing. Like, uh, you know, from an li- actual authentic liberal standpoint, you know, against police brutality, right to revolt, everything like that. That's what gun rights are for, you know. Stop throwing these right-wing caricatures on people. Adam Kokesh, you know, smokes Adam versus the DMT. You know, Adam versus the Changa off Silk Road, you know. He's not a right-wing guy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, uh, it, it's shameful that they have to side with, like, Homeland Security and, and, and supporting the disparity of force that exists between the people and, and the militarized police forces. Um, but, yeah, that kind of that does it for the news. Um, so, uh, another thing that I, that I did on July 4th, I went to the Del Mar fair last day, got to see the turtles finally, uh, interviewed Howard Kalen like two years ago or something. Uh, he's a really funny guy, has a lot of great rock and roll stories. I love them in the, in Frank Zappa and the mothers. I've seen 200 motels way too many times, uh, but they opened up with Gangnam Style and... They even played up, uh, did like a medley of uh, a couple songs, including Peaches and Regalia by Frank Zappa. So it was a very wonderful concert experience. And um, so I want to play a couple of their songs later. 
But I actually found out that the band Goblin, one of my favorite bands, they did a bunch of horror movie soundtracks for uh, um, for Dario Argento. Um, so I want to play two songs. This one's called Roller uh, from their album Roller, and then and then uh, Profondo Rosso, which is the remix by the Simonetti Horror Project, featuring Italian dance house music uh, pioneer Dr. Felix. Um, and I'll I'll play uh, a couple more dance songs after that. Uh, one of them features a sample of Dr. Felix's Relax Your Body from KLF, so stay tuned. It's about to get bumping. This is Roller by Goblin and then Profondo Rosso by Simonetti Horror Project. KKSM and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. And I think it's October 22nd in LA, and they're doing like this. This is like their first US tour in a long time. They've been in and out of breaking up, so I'm very, very excited for Goblin in the US.
Reminds me of Bill Nye. Super rare track. Like you can't find Seaman Eddie Hart Project anywhere. So I'm glad to be on the radio playing rare tracks against corporate uh, radio. But this next song I want to transition to is called What Time Is Love by the KLF. It features rapper Dr. Felix, who's rapping on this uh, song right now. Uh, his, his sample of his like main hit song, you know, that pretty much put house music on the map in Italy. Um, it's called, it was, they're sampling the Relax Your Body. So this is. Uh, what time is love by KLF, which is the Kentucky Liberation Front, I think, also known as the Justified Ancients Movement, Moomoo, sorry, KKSM, the Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. And then after that is Phantom Part One by Justice, which features uh, another Goblin sample from the movie Tenebre. That they, so it's kind of two samplers here. One from Dr. Felix, wrapped on the other song, and then another one from Goblin, which is kind of them talking about them. They're doing a world tour, finally coming to the U.S. Yeah. 
Phantom Part 1 by Justice, featuring a sample of Tenebrae by Goblin. I certainly like Tenebrae a lot better. Before that, you heard What Time Is Love by the KLF, and then Profana Rosa by Simonetti, which is basically Goblin, and then Roller by Goblin, and they're doing a world tour. By the way, uh, after the Restore the Fourth rally, excellent march, you know, so powerful. Uh, you can go on YouTube, youtube.com slash freethoughtradiovids. I'll also be posting video of my, my Chalky Pie thing. Um, actually, it was at Balboa Park, ended at the World Meat Center, and then uh, that's where the new radio station, KNSJ, was doing their first day. So I, I, I was uh, lucky enough to hang out there. They put me on the air to talk about uh, activism and uh, what I'm doing uh, politically in 2014. Um, and in the Federal Reserve, Anti-Federal Reserve March, December 23rd at the Federal Building, um, f- uh, you know, which involves shock as well. Um, but it, it was pretty cool because, you know, whether, you know, KKSM or I, I don't go to mainstream sources, like it's pretty much I'm listening to either KKSM or like, you know, pub, Jazz 88.3 is public, uh, um, RT, Al Jazeera, Press TV. Of course, the no state, LRN.FM. Basically, American media is lacking, so there's pretty much like myself. They just made me a little less lonely. Um, you know, we're mostly music here, so we're competing against the music front. Um, but thankfully, they're, 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 they're airing shows like Democracy Now! So thankfully, that, that alternative media is coming, and we got another voice. Uh, so it was pretty cool to hang out with KNSJ on their first day on the air. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, more ears will hit listen and realize that this phony left versus right thing is just divide and conquer uh, to, while they screw you behind closed doors. And uh, and I want to play a, a news brief real quick. This is the police accountability report by Cop Block. And they'll come back, play, maybe play another song or something like that. Uh, don't forget, next week I got Ben Swan, investigative journalist. You don't want to miss it. He's going to talk about his Truth and Media project on Kickstarter.com. report brought to you by CopBlock.org. Coplock is a decentralized project supported by a diverse group of individuals united by their shared goals of police accountability, education of individual rights, and the dissemination of effective tactics to utilize while filming police. From Keene in the Shire, the Liberty Media Capital of the World, this is Daryl W. Perry, host of the Police Accountability Report, brought to you by CopBlock.org. This week, a couple of stories that should cause anyone critically thinking to see that those wearing badges aren't always operating with the best of intentions. A jury has ordered a former police officer to pay $500,000 in damages to a woman who claimed he raped her while answering her 911 call for help. Former officer Jason M. New did not show up for his civil trial last month. A jury awarded plaintiff Angela Allen $250,000 in compensatory damages, $250,000 in punitive damages, 
and an additional cost of $985.50, according to a May 20th court order. Circuit Judge John R. Doyle III previously found that New was liable for rape and sexual assault of Allen, according to court records. Allen was 60 years old in August of 2010 when she filed the lawsuit. She argued that she was disoriented because of a combination of alcohol and prescription and over-the-counter drugs when she called 911 for help at her home. New, who was on duty and in uniform, arrived and raped her, then returned and raped her a second time. Allen argued that she could not consent to sex because of her impaired condition. New was 34 when the suit was filed. That's actually an old one, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, a good story. We had the DUI checkpoints and stories of police brutality uh, earlier on the show with one of my uh, guests. But I want to play something more uplifting, because uh, Pride is this Saturday. Going to be uh, with the Libertarian Party, uh, paying honor to Bradley Manning, unlike SF Pride, and also the late author and medical cannabis victim of the drug war, AIDS cancer patient, best-selling author Peter, Peter McWilliams. Hopefully he'll be there, you know, get the point across that cannabis is medicine, you know, especially when it comes to HIV and AIDS, and Bradley Manning should be free, and... Uh, you know, that the banks suck and maybe you'll have some chalk to while well, we're walking by a Bank of America or something. But this this one is, uh, don't forget to tune in next week. I got Ben Swan, benswan.com with two N's. He's doing this Truth and Media project on Kickstarter uh, to restore the fourth estate. Restore the fourth estate in because in, in, uh, its media is so lacking. Journalists are not really journalists anymore. They're just kind of lapdogs, not really reporting on anything real. Uh, also got Dan Johnson of People Against the National Defense Authorization Act, freethoughtmedia.org. Follow the Facebook page for all the info. Be sure to help out Ben Swan with his Truth in Media project because he needs to get that going. It's an all-or-nothing thing for Kickstarter. So be sure to tune in next week to get some of the lowdown on the truth. But for right now, let's all just be friends. By Ween, KKSM and LRN.FM, freethoughtmedia.org. See you guys next week.
I never got there, but the morning brings light, and so I keep on looking. Oceanside. Hey man, you got any pains or beans or anything like that? AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. <laughs> 